and welcome to Film Lovers. I'm Sonia Chung. I'll be talking to people who work in the film industry and who are also avid film lovers. Today, I'm talking to filmmaker Laurel Parker. Hi, Laurel. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you, Sonia. I'm good. <laughs> what have you been up to today? Um, well, it's Sunday, so that means I'm always at the farmer's market, which is right around the corner. Okay. Bought some good vegetables. But if you meant creatively, <laughs> did you mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> what you up to? What we've been up to? Um, whereabouts in London? Oh, okay. So whereabouts in London um, do you live? Uh, I live in Leytonstone, so East London, right by Stratford. Okay. And you have an accent, so do you want to tell us where you're from? You're obviously American, so yes. whereabouts from the states are you from? I was born and raised in San Diego, California, which okay. is the last, very last city before um, before Mexico, um, and then spent a lot of time in LA. Okay. And um, what attracted you to England and London especially? Well, my partner at the time got a job over here, and it was only supposed to be two years, and the the job was, was willing to pay for our visas and... Um, pay for the move over and um I had done I had a number of clients already over here so I was and and running my own company so I was like yeah yeah we're gonna go to London for two years yeah. and that was that was 15 years ago wow okay so you've been here for <laughs> a long time now <laughs> yes yes I love it when's the last time you managed you, uh, you managed to get back home I go home every year um but of course we've just done covid so the last yeah. time we were able to get back was um it was the night the 2019 okay was it quite hard to sort of get back um did you have to do loads of tests and stuff before you went in no because that was before covid hit oh okay. So, I mean, okay yeah it was just on the it was that summer and then you know by december italy was in trouble and then yeah because there were early cases of it coming out in 2000, like sort of the autumn of 2019, weren't there? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we had, didn't we have a couple in San Francisco? Um, a guy had come over. He had been in Hong Kong or something, I think. Oh, really? It was like one of the first cases, yeah, or Seattle. But up, up on the west side, okay. um, we had a couple of cases. But but that all happened after I, uh, after I got back to okay. London. All right. So why don't you tell us about yourself? So basically a timeline of your career really um so how you developed a passion for film uh how you got into it why you got into it and basically from when you started um bringing us up to date up to now so basically a bit like your life story <laughs> okay okay um well I was uh, my mom was a huge film fan and and quite honestly it was the only thing we enjoyed doing together which was watching movies and um when I was really young, she took me to see Hello, Dolly, and that was it. I was bitten and wanted to act. So I studied acting and um, all the way up through, uh, you know, your first year of college. And I went to drama school and I loved it, but I missed everything else that I had done. So like music and art and, uh, you know, costumes, all that kind of stuff I had missed. And I realized that the only thing, the only person who gets to do all of that is the director. So I switched and I went and got my bachelor's degree in broadcast, um, which was just like filmmaking and TV, and mm. then did a graduate degree in film directing. And then um, 
moved, I got my graduate degree in Chicago, Illinois, which is amazing, but super cold. And then came back to LA and got uh, my first job at Disney and then uh, moved from Disney to MGM. And then in 2005, MGM, it, it folded for all intents and purposes. It's obviously still around, but it, it got rid of all but like a hundred employees. And um, so at that point I was like, fine, I'll start my own company and started doing bonus material. So all the stuff that goes on the DVDs um, and just exploited all my connections to get work and, um, and then moved over to London and continued to grow my client base. Um, so now my company does, my company's Mobley Street Productions okay. and we do, in addition to branded content stuff, we do commercials. We've done ads for Colgate. We do, um, I just finished doing all of the announcing videos for Prince William's Earthshot Prize. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was really fascinating. Really, really nice to work for, a, you know, to have a job where you were actually passionate about the, mm. um, about the subject. Um, you know, that's unusual if it's not like a narrative film It's and it's a commercial piece. Obviously, you're happy for the work. You enjoy doing it. But in this case, I was also extremely proud of the of the product, which is yeah. your shop. Product. So it's a bit of a passion project in a way. Y yes, a well-paid passion project. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a bonus, isn't it? That's all. That's the perfect. That's what you want in life. A well-paid bonus project. <laughs> um, or passion so project. So well, um, how did you sort of start off in filmmaking other than after you graduated? So did you do like the the wedding photography thing and then that's how you got into it? Or did you do lots of sort of uh, student films afterwards? And like, how did you sort of break into it? When I was in Chicago, I did do, because um, I had come from, I had done a lot of marketing research. Okay. So I um, did become a videographer and shoot um, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those where you go into a room and there's a glass and you can't see behind the glass. Well, behind the glass was me with the video camera taping focus groups is what they were called. So I did oh, do some okay. of that for cash. Yes. Yes. But the graduate program I was in at the time was absolutely amazing. It's Columbia. And um, we were on set all the time and we were shooting with film. So um, uh, I don't think. I mean, I barely did a video shoot. It was all film, um, but I mean, just all the time on shoots all the time. And it was fabulous. You know, you just, you got just that taste of it that mm. even when you're on a short film, you guys all, you know, you bond, it becomes a, a team and you're all trying to get this film done. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was already bitten, but that just sealed, that sealed the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were your influences growing up? Like any huge 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 fan of Hitchcock I know oh, really? I should be <laughs> yeah I should be like promoting a, an amazing female you know like um Sophia. I don't know <laughs> no not Sophia Copeland no, no. um Definitely. more like um <laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe but <laughs> when I was um I remember really distinctly, like I knew Hitchcock for The Birds and I knew Hitchcock for uh, Psycho and I didn't mm -hmm. really like mm -hmm. either film. And I went to go see Rear Window and I was blown away. Really? It was so much fun. So beautiful. Um, he's got a great tongue in cheek um, way of uh, delivering things. Like, there's always just a wink, wink. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I was, I, to me, I thought this was a perfect film because it was completely artistic, completely um, beautiful, but it was also super um, palatable. It was super easy for anyone to watch. So it wasn't like a, like a hard watch, like a Tarkovsky film. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. love a Tarkovsky, but you need a big pot of coffee and you need to, you know, yes. sit on, be ready for yeah, yes, three hours. Yeah, lots to take in your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to take a break and go, God damn, what did I just see? And how did that, oh my God, that was amazing. And there's, and I love that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love those films too. But this, when I was, I mean, this just hit the spot. I was like, that's the kind of film I want to make. Um, how old were you when you first watched the first? Oh, sorry, how old were you when you watched your first Hitchcock film? Well, if we take if we take um, which we should Psycho and The Birds out, I was I think I was maybe fourteen when I saw Rear Window. Okay. So yeah, I was just like, okay, done. Every every one of my high school papers is Hitchcock. Like, oh, really? I go back, it, it, yeah, it kills me. Every like essay you had to write in English would be Hitchcock all the way up to, uh, I think my first year of, of college. Who was in Rear Window? I never saw that one. Oh, Grace Kelly and um, Jimmy Stewart. Oh, okay. Okay. And she is just, I mean, she's just stunning, right? She's stunning. So she's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, ridiculous. And so glamorous in this. And then he's got a, because um, the deal is he's in a full leg cast. Mm-hmm. And he's a, a a newspaper photographer, and um, so he's got a how uh, like a healthcare worker that comes in, and that's played by this actress, this really brilliant character actress named Thelma Ritter, who's just hilarious. It's just all perfect, and Raymond Chandler's the bad guy. It's just all good. And how old were you when you first saw um, Psycho and the Birds? Well, that, those were on TV, right? So those oh, okay. I don't know those. Yeah, they would just pop up and you would, you know, maybe stop and watch or not. But I just, they, they just never worked for me. Like, oh, really? They, they were, well, they're kind of like the big ones, aren't they? That everyone. They're the one that, that everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some other, because um, I was telling someone a while ago when I did uh, my film studies course as a teenager, BTEC Media Studies, we had a whole term of doing Alfred Hitchcock. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, so the whole term for it was uh, film theory. So we studied nothing. <laughs> Hitchcock, which went. And everyone used to say, oh, you you film students, all you do is sit around and watch film. I was like, no. Well, yeah, yeah, that's our job. I know. But then also we do have to actually write essays and stuff. So it's not no, like, that's you true. know. Because, you know, we have to think about, you know, all the codes of convention and mise-en-scene and all that kind of stuff. And um, and uh, so we got to see quite a few of them. Um, I think we saw Strangers on the Train. Oh, fab. That's a really good one. I mean, I remember it being good. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But I do remember it being very suspenseful, which he... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, obviously the the obvious ones, like The Birds and Psycho. Um, what was the other one? There was another one. Um, it's notorious. Oh, north by north. North by northwest. Yeah, that was really good. That's really good. Yes. Um. So, and there were a few that we could see by ourselves, you know, at home and stuff. But I think they were like the big ones, weren't they? They're the ones that most people sort of really paid attention to. And right, the fifties era. Yeah. Um. But um. But I always kind of envy people that managed to see 
Psycho and the birds in the cinema. I mean, that must have been an amazing experience. And I guess North by Northwest would have been as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because they're so big and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, even um, one of my very favorites now is Notorious. Okay. Which is Cary Grant and um, Ingrid Bergman. And did I say Raymond Chandler before? I think I did. The author. No, I meant the bad guy in Rear Window is Raymond Burr. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Um, Sorry. But yeah, I mean, all because his films are so masterful. Like the shots are are so beautifully choreographed. The all the, yeah, seeing any of them in 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 the theater is just such a different experience. Yeah. And yeah. when he released Psycho, uh, that was all his own money. No one wanted to make it, and yeah. he um he insisted that no one could leave the theater. No one could come in late, and you couldn't leave before it was over. So they would like lock the doors. It was, oh, it was really? quite a thing. It's yeah, a bit yeah, like yeah. a Tarantino type thing, isn't it? Like you hear about how at previews. He like was, you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. He, Hitchcock was a genius at, at marketing, a, an absolute genius at, at, I mean, if you think about it, we know his, we still, he's been dead. He died in 89 or something, right? Or, okay. Or, or early 80s, but he, we, I mean, we know what he looks like. We know what he sounds like. He was a master at, at marketing. He was um he seemed like a bit of an actory person as well, didn't he? Like when he used to do yeah. the kind of um sort of trailers, but they were quite yes. long, weren't they? Like the one um he did for Psycho and he sort of gives like a, a story and it's like this is the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, you've seen it. That is a good trailer. I like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's just like it's an unusual we wouldn't see a trailer like that because he's actually kind of saying like oh, here is where this happened and <laughs> like this is the Bates Hotel and you don't see trailers like that but he's quite um yeah he was quite actory as well wasn't he and he, he had a bit Definitely. of like, like he said a sort of tongue-in-cheek type sense of humor yeah um, he definitely liked to manipulate yeah he loved yeah. I mean he definitely wanted to be out there yeah what was that film they they basically based on him and his wife in the sort of the making process of Psycho that was with Helen Mirren and Anthony Hopkins. That was called Hitch, I believe. Okay. Um, and then there was another biopic that came out, I want to say around the same time, but Hitch was based um, kind of loosely on this book that this guy, um, Donald Spado, or, or Sato wrote. Um, he's written about quite a few directors, but he, he it's a very... Um, like it's a very negative portrayal of Hitchcock, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he did or didn't do. All yeah, I'm yeah, judging him yeah, on is yeah. his filmmaking. But yeah, so that 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 movie was based on the book Hitch by, by Asado. Okay, because we hear stories, don't we, about how he tortured his... <laughs> it's one of the sort of the notorious things, like um, he put Tippy Head... Is it Tippy Headburn? Tippy Hedron. No, Hedron. Who's um, oh, Melanie... Melanie Griffith's mom. Mom. Through absolute hell, didn't he? With, and, uh, and that's the, what she says. Yeah, that's what she says. And apparently, um, oh god, who was the actress in uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mum? Uh, oh, uh, um, Janet Lee. Uh, Vivian Janet Lee. Yeah, Janet Lee. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, she says so as well because um, the you know the, in that that uh, that film of Anthony Hopkins and Dame Helen Mirren where they're basically trying to get psycho made out of their own money they sold their own house didn't they i think they mortgaged yeah yeah which is a big gamble (laughs) yeah (laughs) huge on a black and white movie in the middle of the 1960s when people are just getting color tv and who wants to go see a black and white movie yeah 
but, yeah, it um, was a huge a, a big thing um but you kind of see like you know I mean it was the you know like the biopic type thing where Anthony Hopkins has this like ridiculous fat suit on um and all these prosthetics I mean it's absolutely amazing and it did he did look spot on he did didn't it and even she yeah. said she didn't recognize him at all and it was quite hard after he took off all this stuff and I was like oh this <laughs> who's this <laughs> kind of thing um yeah, yeah. there's a scene in that film where you see sort of um you know him directing Scarlett Johansson who's playing Janet Lee, you know literally putting her through kind of you know her paces and you know scaring the crap out of her um I think he was quite hands-on wasn't he <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah I think he was when he wanted particular performance but but funny enough Janet wrote a book called Psycho mm. and it's her experience making the film and she's rather um kind about it or or if I remember right, I mean, I read it a couple of years ago, but she was, her experience was um, like, she found it rewarding. So even though it was difficult and lying on the floor, I think she, she said lying on that floor, trying not to move in that weird position after she's done, you know, after she's mm. dead. Yeah. She said that, that was the most difficult. And it was something like a week in the shower. So she was really wet and wrinkly. All, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but God. she, she speaks, um, she writes, with a lot of reverence so the only person that I can find who complains about um Hitchcock in terms of a sexual uh way mm. is to be Hedron oh really yeah now Julie Andrews wasn't a huge fan nor was he one of her he did she did a movie with um Sean Connery called Marnie which is a Hitchcock movie and she you know, I don't think it was a love affair between them at all. But Maybe. but you know, she she doesn't complain. And the, and and it's weird to me that all of his actresses, like Grace Kelly, was in numerous films. Mm. Ingrid Bergman was in numerous mm. films. These were his go-to actresses before they, um, you know, left to for private reasons. Before yeah. they left him for private reasons. And so it's just weird to me that. But again, you know. Uh, yeah, this is uh, speculation. It's, it's exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at that time, um, weren't actors basically they were contracted by the studios to do so many films? Is that how it worked at the time? No, by the time Hitchcock came to America, the golden age, the quote unquote golden age of Hollywood mm. was already starting to change, and uh, actors on those kinds of actors being owned by particular studios was was ending. So oh, his first okay. film over, his first film in the states was Rebecca. I want to say that was like forty, forty or forty two, but we're you know, and then by the time we get to the fifties, we're well out of um, that old school style of contracting actors for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that seemed quite stressful. There were a lot of like you hear a lot of stories about how. You know, they didn't want to do it, but they had to because that was part of the contract. I mean, that still sort of goes on now, doesn't it? But not so much, I think, with the studio and the actors because now the actors have the, the agents and the agents kind of do all of that. The agents, yeah, it, it tends to be, yeah, that tends to be the problem now is the is the agents creating, um, like, uh, blocks of talent and pitching that to the studio so that you're stuck into a project that you may or may not be right for but your agent wants to make money off of the whole package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's um it's a very sort of quite intriguing process isn't it when you think about it I mean I have to talk to an agent about it maybe I'll I'm trying to get one of my agents and they don't want to do it <laughs> yes yes yeah, but it'd be interesting from that perspective as well because you know how they go about the casting process for instance with so many actors on their on their books and usually it goes down to just generally the way you look and how they can literally like you said block you put you in for this role and this role so so um yeah no that would be an interesting process for sure um so tell us a bit about your first film and afterwards basically what was the first <laughs> film you made were they really dodgy student films <laughs> well the first film I made was in grad school so and I and I I watched a lot of student films because I I wanted to know why why do student films look and smell like student films? You know what I mean? Like there's just never a question that it's a student film. And I went, why, 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 why is that? So I watched a lot of films. Um, honestly, I think a large part of that, believe it or not, is sound. Um, okay. People pay very little attention to their sound. And in the end, it's the thing that, it's a subconscious thing, isn't it? Because you're seeing with your eyes, but but you, you, you forget how important your ears are and what you're hearing. Yeah, so yeah. When, Sound can easily take you out of the moment. And you're not even sure why, mm. right? So, um, so I'm hoping that Clay doesn't look like a dodgy student film. Um, <laughs> it was uh, he's uh, available on Amazon, by the way. Okay, um, <laughs> I see that watch. I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll give it to you. <laughs> good, good. Um, it's um, it was a story about, so I came um, in San Diego in particular in when I grew up, the the scene was very huge. So by scene, I mean, there were lots of mods, there were lots of rockabillies, there were lots of um, goths. There was like, it, it was very important to be a part of the scene. And hmm. um, we were very well read and, you know, it wasn't just like a haphazard thing. It was, it was studied. It was like a, it was like a big cultural revolution. And, um, so part of that scene are, are were skinheads and scooter people. Oh really? <laughs> yes. And um and I had always been I was not a skinhead. <laughs> I was I was uh more on the goth side. Oh um, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but scooters were very important and um all of that was very important. So the so my first film I wrote about a guy who's in a in a ska band who has to Who's a who's about to? He's supposed to start life. He's supposed to be getting a job and getting into that. But his band's got a big tour coming, and so his girlfriend's father is offering him a job, and he's got to decide: does he take that job to make his girlfriend happy and start that career, or does he go on tour with his band? And that that was my first film, which I think it was. We were, and by the way, I was the last crew. I think before uh 9-11 to shoot in Sears Tower oh, we shot really? on the 99th floor yeah they was great. that was his office mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in, in yeah. Sears Tower not not in one of the oh not in the yeah yeah that's New York uh, we shot in Sears Tower which oh, was okay. Sorry. that was the tallest building in the world for until Singapore did built something oh, okay but but um so yeah that was my first film which I I like it shot on film which is great. Um, How old were you when you uh, made that film? Do you remember? Um, gosh, maybe like tw 20, 25, maybe? Okay. 
And then I brought it back. I didn't finish the, I didn't finish it until I got back and I was at MGM. And that was when I had then learned about sound and audio. So it's got like a five, one mix and, uh, I was making DVDs for MGM. So it's, it's a DVD in a, in a complete package. I have literally, I think a thousand DVDs. Oh, really? <laughs> so yeah, someone please, please fucking buy it. God damn it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so you mentioned that your mom is a very good, a big film fan. What kind of films did she start like used to love watching? Any, like anything. That's Literally, she, she she was, yeah, she was queen of inappropriate as well. So she, oh, would, really? she would take, yeah, she would take me to, I remember seeing, I don't know if you know these films, there were, there was like these series of disaster movies. I I know so, of them. I remember seeing Earthquake and like the Poseidon. Yeah, yeah like there's exactly like those. Yeah. But there was a series that came out about airplanes. So okay. Um, okay. Airport. I think Airport was the first one, or or seven sixty whatever the hell they were called. Yeah, but yeah. Like, my mom would take me to those, and I remember the one that like killed me. They cra- The plane crashes and it and it crashes into the ocean, and now they've sunk. So now there's the pressure of the ocean and they don't know how to get them out. And if they, obviously if they open the the doors, it will depressurize the guy, whatever yeah, the hell yeah, the story yeah. was. But one of the women, there was this old, um, beautiful older woman, a black actress, and her name was Dorothy. And she looked to me about the age of my grandmother, whose name was Dorothy. Mm. And Dorothy gets hit in the head with something and, and she's not doing well, and she she dies, and I was just hysterical. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how old I was, but I was a little kid, and she just used to think like, "What the hell were you thinking, bringing me to that?" Yeah. First of all, That's whether or not someone's named Dorothy. Yeah. I mean, God damn. <laughs> but the the first movie she took me to, I was still in a um, it was a drive-in, and I was brand new, and it was a Lion in Winter. Have you seen that one? No. Again, it's Sir Anthony Hopkins. Okay. It's one one of his early, early films. And um, it's about uh, Richard the Lionheart. So he's played by um, Peter O'Toole. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. queen is Catherine Hepburn. And um, Anthony Hopkins plays, I think he plays the middle son. Um, uh, but I mean, it is, if you haven't seen it, man. especially especially if you love acting it is just Catherine Hepburn and Peter O'Toole when they get into a fight you're just like oh yeah well they're they're all very good actors aren't they insane absolutely insane I want to say Timothy Dalton's one of the one of the sons as well oh really yeah I mean it's an it's an amazing stellar cast yeah yeah yeah. it's a really really great film so that that I always claim is the first film I ever saw um, were you working on anything when any of the lockdown, well, especially when the first lockdown hit? Um, no, I okay. wasn't actually. But what the lockdown for us here in London, at least, was kind of, um, well, I also teach at Ravensbourne. So I got a lot more teaching. So that helped me. And I know that a lot of there was no help at all for freelancers. It was it was absolutely criminal. It was really mm. bad. But what started to happen was it inspired, right? So um, I came up with, I have a very good friend, an old friend who's an amazing choreographer in Berlin. And we came up with this idea to do a fashion show in the middle of a street in London, because never will it be. No, the band's in her, yeah. Yeah. 
So sadly, we, we almost got that, but it didn't quite push through. Um, instead, um, I got, there was another producing do- job came through and, and got some amazing footage because the city was dead it was a it's just it was just the coolest kind of creepiest thing ever but but what it did inspire was I also do um voiceovers and my my agent has an amazing group of of talent on her books and I was like listen zoom what if we start so we did we started making podcasts they're not like traditional podcasts they're really radio dramas okay so we cast, uh, I got a friend of mine who's a producer to, I pitched it to him and he was like, yeah, I love it. Mm, and he's yeah. big into horror. So um, as a genre, so our first two dramas were stuff that was copyright free, you know, out of um, protection and, and like old timey horror stuff. So yeah. Uh, yeah. we did Lost Hearts and, um, um, well, Lost Hearts was the last one we did, which I think is really, really good. And we did those under Horror Lab Aural. Okay. Um, so look them up, everyone. <laughs> they are good. But it was just so much fun. And everyone was, all of the actors were super into it. Obviously, no one got paid. We did it on Zoom and we recorded the audio on Clean Feed. And, and they're really good. I really, really, really like them. Yeah. Our engineer yeah. is awesome. So we did. And, and just everyone was so keen to be, to do something. Yeah. Right? I mean, we yeah. were so tired of just being at home in our pajamas and it was an opportunity to be creative. And um, unfortunately, a producer who's who's now launching an app uh, picked us up and hired us, the team. So uh, John Paul Chapel, the producer, and Jason Reed, the um, sound engineer, he hired us to do podcasts for him, again, radio dramas for him. Mm. So we've done quite a few. We're about to start a four-part series on the Battle of Trafalgar. So that, okay, <laughs> that was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cast of thousands. So it'll be one of those, you'll see the Zoom, it'll be like 800 little pictures. Yeah. Be like, you know what's funny about Zoom? I think it, like, after a while, people were sort of thinking, what does this remind me of? What does this remind me of? And then there was this funny thing on the, the internet and they said the Muppets, you know. The- <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that. Yeah. Someone that, sent me that and that, I forgot that, all about that. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. With the And they're all doing little things in their windows. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Muppets were so good. They were good, weren't they? They're so entertaining. Yes. And he used totally. to get a lot of those um sort of you know sort of famous movie stars going every when it, when it was on the weekly basis you used to get like yes loads of famous amazing people. everyone yeah. was on everyone was on the Muppets they got the most amazing people yeah. on there I mean Elton John was on it once wasn't he yes oh yes yeah. he was totally was um uh, who's a really really big one? I want to say Peter O'Toole was on. Uh, I know Lisa um, Moreno was on it, and oh yes, she was for she was, sure. And and she's an, a brilliant singer anyway, but she's naturally, yes. you know, she sings in. Um, uh, Pierce Brosnan was he on? Yeah, but on the sort of the newer ones. Okay, um, I was going to say yeah. They, I remember when in the nineties they sort of brought it out for a little short Again. stint. And they had a few of the, the sort of you know famous movie stars at the time, and he was he was then Bond, so he was a big. I mean, he's still a big deal, but he wasn't. Yes. He was a lot famous then, a lot more, you know. Yeah. Um. So they had the big ones in. I can't remember who the other ones were because it was such a long time ago. 
Um, I'm sure you could just say someone and they would have been on. I mean, yeah, right yeah. Was just that must be really hard for them to get them on. But I imagine that would have been a really prime time show in order for these big time celebs to come up. Do you it know was, what I mean? To attract the them. Muppets when I was little was on. It was huge. It was on right at prime time. It was eight o'clock, which is like the per, like right. So TV would go. You would have news from six to seven, and then seven to eight were like kind of maybe game shows or whatever, and then mm. 8 o'clock was prime time, right? So Muppets were prime time, man. Yeah. That was the yeah. big deal. Yeah. And you know yeah. Prince was on? I remember Prince was being he? on. Yeah. <laughs> My God. I remember um, it wasn't the Muppets, but I do remember Stevie Wonder being on Sesame Street, which is like, you know, still yes. the, the Jim Henson, you know, they were, they were all, you know, his creation. It's all his world, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. No, that must have been a really good, was that when all the sort of, stars at the time were promoting a film I guess that would have been the one of these shows to go on to sort of promote yeah for sure came out, or song or for album sure. or and just for the fun of it I think too it yeah just, yeah it, it was really great fun. Like, yeah it seemed like everyone was having a blast which I thought mm-hmm. was really awesome and it was a good sort of family show wasn't it you don't really get any of those yes. now no that that everyone could watch because you had um, I can't remember their names. The two old guys. Oh, in, they were uh, my funny. I like those ones. Yeah, the ones uh, right. the sort of shout yes. out things in the theatre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are their names? Oh, it'll come to me later. But yeah, I loved those guys, right? Did you like uh, Beaker? And, uh... One of my very favourites. <laughs> and the Swedish chef. No, I was gonna say, I was gonna say he's my favourite. You're a oh, yeah. <laughs> So hilarious. And Animal. I loved Animal. Yeah, Animal was good. He kind of scared me as a kid, Animal. <laughs> I don't know. Did he? Well, oh, yeah, I he see, was I strange, strange. He was uh, I'm, thinking, sorry, I'm thinking of the other one that was in that was in the dustbin. Sorry, I'm getting confused. Oh, Gro- uh, Gro- Grover. Yeah, sorry, Grover. I was getting confused. Yeah. The one, the scary one in the dustbin. The Grouch, yeah. Yeah, yeah he scared me as a kid. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. I think that's fair. Oh, and actually, here's a good take on the film sort of type parody switching over. Did you, um, I'm not sure if he was ever in The Muppets, but he was definitely in a lot of the Sesame Street sort of skits. Um, the Count. <laughs> oh, he's so good. He it was, was like, so good. I love that they, they, they brought like, you know, a really famous kind of horror figure from, uh, you know, mainstream film into a, t- a children's TV show. Into, yeah. And he's literally to learn how to count. counting. Yes. <laughs> One. Uh. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh. <laughs> I remember he did one once. He tried to count once with a cook. Like this one just I thought was hilarious. Um, he was counting and he was counting cookies. And he's trying to count the cookies and the cookie monster came and oh, ate the them all. Too, and, yeah. Yeah. Or was he just and eating them all, was he? Yeah, he was eating, and then the count was just like, oh, no cookies. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a, a genius thing to do, wasn't it? To bring a sort of famous horror sort of character that's been done by many famous um, celebs. Um, who was, can you name a few of the celebs that, uh, actors that were portraying the count, Dracula, sort of, you know, the phenomenon? Most who famous was, would be Bella Lugosi, right? Bella Lugosi, yeah. And then um, uh, there's a very famous, I don't know if you know, black exploitation as a drama, I mean, as a genre. 
No, 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 no. But t- tell us. <laughs> so black exploitation uh, was a movement of films that started with Mario Van Peebles, Melvin Van Peebles' um, movie. It's a horrible title. Sweet, sweet asses, bad song. <laughs> and that was the very first black exploitation movie. And um, so the the idea was um, uh, movies. Uh, by black folk for black folk uh, and um, you would see they were kind of like a little bit of kung fu meets a little bit of gangster movie meets a little bit of um, you know whatever great soundtracks and all of them Isaac Hayes did a bunch of them Mm. Um, but they did uh, uh, one movie called Blackula oh really it's actually yeah which is actually um, really pretty good. I, I quite liked it. I just watched it again recently. Yeah. Um, uh, some good political interesting statements in that. So, yes. And I can't remember his name, who played Blackula. Um, but we've got, uh, well, even Tom Cruise played a vampire. Yes. Uh, and Brad Pitt. And, oh, um, George was... Harris. Sorry. George Hamilton. George Hamilton was. George Hamilton. A... He, do you remember him? He was always very tan. Yes, yes. <laughs> he was well known he, for that, wasn't he? Yes. And I think I think his very first one was Love at First Bite. Is that right? I don't know. And I, I think um, that was his. I mean, there have been parodies of it. I mean, who was the the very original one in Nostrera 2? Do we know what his name was? Oh, I don't know we, that we know who that actor is, but there's a really great film on the making of Nostra. Hmm. to starring William Defoe. It's re- like it's a must see, really good film. Oh really? Is that like yeah, yeah, is yeah. that sort of basically the kind of the the making of it with with uh, William Defoe starring as as him? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a bit I like I know like this we were... film. I have to watch it. Is he it's kind really of playing good. But then so he's kind of playing he's playing the actor he's he's an actor the... playing the character being filmed. So it's kind of like Yes. A, yeah. Yeah. Which and yeah. it's a and that's a brilliant film. But you're right. That's a that's the first whoever that dude was. That's a great film. Isn't I have to watch it. That sounds really interesting because that was the film that basically started it all off, wasn't it? Because that was the very first vampire Dracula film. Uh, I think it. I, I think there. it was. But you know the 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 sad thing is, well, we don't really know because so many so many early early films before they were what we would call feature length have been mm. lost. You know, they were just little one reels or two reels oh, um, really? films. Yeah. And so a lot of, and all of this right is based on Bram Stoker's book. So that's, that book had been popular for a long time, Yeah. but everything yeah. in early film, everything now is just these stories being retold, isn't it? So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, it's kind of like, um, and I've spoken about this before, you know, um, little women or, uh, the, you know, like Batman, it kind of, I think they try and sort of brand it differently in a different time period. So it kind of says something about society at the time then, and then a new one comes along and that's, you know, the modern version. Um, And you're like, why do they keep remaking this again and again and (laughs) again? It's just like, we've had enough. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, So true. There was something you, you, said and actually I found that quite interesting when you were saying about the black ex- exploitation films black exploitation yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so during that part and actually it clicked into my mind and I'm just wondering if you know anything about this so there was that awful period of time when many states in America were segregated weren't they so I mean this was going back a long 
time ago. I mean, it's sad. It's, Sadly, it's, not that long ago. No, no. But I mean, you think about it. I mean, we really haven't progressed at all, have we, really? But that's like a no. whole political thing. That's like, you know, that's a different show. But um, right. <laughs> but, then, but then would they, and, and actually it never occurred to me, that would they have had cinemas, especially for, for black people, because they wouldn't have been able to go into normal, quote, cinemas with white people? Would that have happened? Yes. Yes. And a lot of uh, a lot of showing films in churches, a lot of uh, showing films in community centers. So okay. yeah, absolutely. So, oh, okay, so that's so, so that's what they used to do then. Then obviously they didn't have their own cinema, but they used to bring it in to them in in a in a sort of community basis, like in the church or. Absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. They've been going on forever. Oh really? So um, would the would they make them especially for them then? I guess there'll be lots of uh, black actors then. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there really was, um, it wasn't huge, but there really, since the beginning of film, has been, um, have been black filmmakers making films specifically for their community. That's really um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We don't see it, that, it, do we? Why is that? Well, I think it's twofold. I think one, people watching older films, it's, it's um, I've had, I had a student, at Ravensbourne, so I teach film at Ravensbourne. Mm. I had a student literally tell me that he didn't watch any film older than what did he say, twenty, uh, twenty nineteen or twenty? No, excuse me, twenty twenty oh five or something. I was like, mm. what, what do you what do you mean you don't watch anything older than two thousand five? He's like, yeah, no, no, I don't. Really, uh, that's not that yeah. long ago either. When you think, no, of exactly. So, no, clearly an ignorant person who's probably not working in the industry. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but that said, I mean, I, I do think it is, um, it is hard to watch unless you love it, unless you can get around it. It's hard to watch early films. Um, you know, they're they they come off as a little more stilted. They're um, they can they can sometimes look funny. The movements look funny. I mean, maybe that's why in part. Yeah. But I think too. I think too. It's a bit it's, like a time capsule as well, isn't it? Like I spoke about. Absolutely. Topic. And so so sometimes it really doesn't age well. It's like it, it goes off like milk. It doesn't. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but you know that said, if you if you've seen. If you can see Cabin in the Sky, which I think is available on YouTube for free, there's one of the, there was a whole, um, there was a, there were several filmmakers that were actually making money doing all black films and Hollywood went, oh, wait, what? Oh, we can make some money. So they started doing all black films. So, so movies like Cabin in the Sky, which is where Lana Horne sings, um, um, oh my God, her, her famous song, um. I'm going to blank on it, but it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's a gorgeous movie. And, and so it's just, I think it's part of that, that myth that we have that Hollywood was only ever white male. That was the most popular. And that's this, but there yeah. has always been, there's always been black film. It just hasn't. We never, them. we never got the exposure to see it really, which is really exactly. sad. I think. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I would really be interested in seeing, the history of you know of you know what they saw you know compared to what everyone else saw at the well, time. Well, even even queer cinema as well. There's oh, you know yeah. there's tons of queer cinema that that we've never gotten to see because 
That's another, actually, that's a really good point. Because do you think now, actually, everyone's a lot more open-minded, like you have films made for the LGBTQ community. And so people are a lot more open-minded and we get to see it a bit more because they're sort of showing it more on these um, streaming channels and, you know, special places and festivals as well. But, um, yeah, yeah that, that, that made me realise that actually back then that must have been going on as well. And obviously in that era like homosexuality would have been a big taboo wouldn't it so well illegal yeah yeah so so um I mean where would they have shown those films for them they, they'd have to be very discreet I imagine because you know yeah because it's illegal and you'll be arrested well yeah I mean you know one you know for the black people yes they were being persecuted and all this horrible stuff but at the same time they weren't doing anything wrong do you know what I mean in their in their yeah. eyes I mean, I'm not saying you know obviously that's not what I'm saying but then, uh, but then that would have had to be very kind of like you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely um, for queer cinema. Um, I, to be fair, I don't know as much um, no. about it, but it would have been um, you know bars, underground bars, that kind of thing. I think yeah. even when Kenneth Anger, who's who's a very famous uh, queer filmmaker, I like his stuff maybe got into a couple of galleries but you know it was all underground yeah kind of so we'll never get to see the stuff will we is it all kind of tucked away no we can totally it's just about being curious and going and finding it yeah going to it's all available Mm. it's just all it's it's all kind of underground isn't it like not underground but like you said it's sort of in the archives and you know they know how to get to it but if you're outside the circle, you wouldn't know how to get to it. You know what yeah. I mean? You have yeah, to- no, exactly. Exactly. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think uh, you're right. I don't think folk know that there are early black films or or that folk know that there are queer films that haven't seen the light of day. And Yeah. I wonder if in that era then there would have been for the community the black community if there would have been any fate like really famous in their eyes uh black filmmakers uh you know actors for instance you know for them that we never knew of because we never got to see that's a good question yeah like you know do you remember when they i'm just thinking when you know when that film came out um and it was based on the real lady who was really really clever she worked for the nasa program and then they did oh hidden oh. figures yes, um, yeah that's kind of like a prime example isn't it of how these women so there was like the, you know um at the time that was when the segregation was really bad and they were like um we never knew that part of nasa was black women who were coming up with all the arithmetic and the maths to send these astronauts into space and yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. You know, and um i can't remember the name it, she's a real person she passed away not like a few years ago yeah, just a couple like last year or something yeah wasn't it? and she um, got um yeah. like uh you know she got her recognition after so many times got yeah, it was amazing and like why yeah. why didn't we know about this person till now yeah yeah well double strike against her wasn't it she was black and she was yeah older. and that film really shows how hard it must have been with her for her especially because she was working in this really tight-knit and they completely, you know, just like, just like you know, you should sit over there. They don't want to share the same toilet. They don't want to do. And you think, yeah. we're so lucky we don't have to go through this. Because can you imagine running so far to go 
just to use the toilet. To go to the bathroom, yeah. No, I know. But I mean, even today, for for I mean, I can only speak to my experience, right? But, yeah, yeah, but even yeah, yeah. today, it's all of those stereotypes, you know, persist. So you know, if you're when you're on when you're directing, you're meant to be, you know, you're the leader, you're the you're the commander, and and everyone underneath you are soldiers that have to work to a shared purpose, mm. the purpose that you put forward as the commander, but. Yet that kind of uh, personality or that kind of um, behavior is frowned upon for women, right? We're yeah. not supposed yeah. to be opinionated. We're not supposed to be controlling or bossy. Or no. and when we are, we we're called bossy, or we're yeah. called controlling, or we're called a bitch. Instead of, wow, she's a really good leader. Mm. You know. So I mean, yeah, it's 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 tricky. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm just wondering if, you know, for instance, in like you said, there was at that time they would have made films for black people because you know of all the segregation, all that stuff, that horrible stuff that was going in America. I mean, it still goes on now, I'm sure. Um, but um, I wonder for them if there was like you know at the time there was um, you know the sort of famous movies sort of like the kind of the Grace Kelly of their community yeah. and you know like the big ones you know the heartthrobs and yeah yeah um, no I know exactly what you mean but I wonder because there wasn't you know it wasn't we forget that we live in this world now where everything's available to us instantly mm. and and communication is is so quick and easy yeah it would be interesting. I, I mean, I think that's a really fascinating question. Was there someone who everyone knew because yeah. that film was shown yeah. on the, you know, on the underground across the South or whatever? That's that's an interesting question. I bet you someone knows. Yeah. I'm positive. I'll look it up. <laughs> okay. All Did right. You ever see... To be continued. Yes, exactly. Did you dot, 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 dot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see, um, I haven't got around to watch it, but there was a documentary um, about that, fa- and he's so so clever and articulate. James Baldwin, is it? De- um, I'm not your Negro. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Did you ever see that? So I know Samuel no, no. narrates it, and um, and it's basically on his uh, a movement and the persecution he got. I mean, he's he was really clever, and he also on he had two who two double whammies. He was homosexual and he was black. And he's a black he? man, yeah. yeah. So but like super clever and he was talking about how you know you know if a white man did this they would never be found upon if a black man came in they would like that um yeah it's a really interesting take and then you have like um uh during this film and I've seen clips of it and uh, Samuel Jackson's spoken about it on the talk show you know and they have snippets of really old footage of um journalists I mean this was going way 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 back so it's all like you know the home videos going like mm, it's all sort of skippy and black and white like what do you think about um you know black people living in the neighborhood oh I think it's awful like you know you know it was that kind of very um it's it's just very outdated but it, it was really wrong thinking do you know what I mean and they yeah, were completely yeah. against it and then he was, and Samuel Jackson was saying, well, you know what? I would have been a teenager when he knew about James Baldwin and when he saw all, you know, all that horrible stuff that was going on, like these black communities being, you know, bombed and, you know, basically just treated really badly. Um, wasn't that long ago. So I wonder, he wondered if they would have seen themselves 
as older people looking back at themselves as young people as well, because there were younger ones who were also doing it, thinking, oh, I was a total arsehole. But unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think a lot of them would have, would they, really? They, they I don't would. know. I don't know. It's a, it's an it would interesting have been, question. That would have been an interesting thing as well. Because when you look back at yourself, you know, when you're 20 or, for instance, you think, you're like, oh, God, you kind of cringe and you're like, yeah. do I really do that? Or do, I really, do I really think that? So, but then I think on that side, I mean, that's serious, you know, so, so that must have been quite a sort of a wake up call, I would have imagined, to if they ever saw I'm not your Negro and seen a flashback of themselves as, you know, a young person talking about as how a racist young person. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So I would hope so, but who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah. Did you ever see that documentary? No, not yet. It's definitely on my list. Yeah, no, I have to watch it. I mean, it's definitely a thing you, you need to sort of be ready to watch. It's not like yeah. an ongoing thing to watch. I'm in the I'm in the middle of the Jeffrey Epstein doc. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll finish that one and then I'll <laughs> Well that's gonna be a bit of a, a <laughs> you need to take a big breath for that one, don't you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's that one's crazy. But that's an interesting point, like that he got that he got away with all that. Yeah. You just think, what the hell? If anyone else had done that, if a black man had done that, forget it. Well, then we think about R. Kelly. I don't know. (laughs) I think it it varies, doesn't it? And, you know, to be honest, I think if you have the money and the power, that's why. So so people like R. Kelly, he did get away with it for a long time. Yeah. Um, so so I think, you know, unfortunately, there are people that abuse their power. I mean, look at Harvey Weinstein and yes. I mean, actually that's quite a good question because you're a woman and I haven't spoken to many female filmmakers. So that's another question I'll ask you in a bit. But um what did that make you think when all that came out? I mean, he was the big boss behind it all, you know, he was one of the major sort of um figures for the the, well, the Weinstein company so which was one of the biggest studios and he was like you know he was just like everyone knew him um at the Oscars he would be the first person he was just basically the big 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 boss of Hollywood and um, what did you think about when all of these um allegations and the Me Too sort of finally finally sort of broke out was it well, shocking you no I no. don't think I don't think any woman was shocked no I don't, I don't think any woman who hasn't lived in a cave was shocked. No. The I will say that the, the hashtag Me Too movement was shocking in the sense of I don't think there's anyone who couldn't have written hashtag Me Too. And just the numbers were like, oh, Ma- Christ. I know. Just yeah. jaw dropping. So, I mean, I you know, I... I I don't, I wonder about Weinstein if he was any worse than producers we know to have been similar in the past. Mm. I don't, you know, was he the very worst? Was he? Well, we won't know. I'm no. sure there's a lot of them. Of yeah. That, that, that's sort of like being, you know, you could go back to like Jimmy Savile and that, you know, people covering up for them really because of who they are. Exactly. 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 I mean, well, uh, how did Bill Cosby get away with it? Yeah, exactly. That's it's another so one. long mm. and so. I mean, just as disgusting and gross as what Weinstein did. Just yeah, absolutely. 
no, of course. And I remember, um, I mean, there are men I've I've come across a couple which, and they really upset me to be honest. I, I no, I had to stop talking to them because from their perspective, they think, oh, I don't, I think, you know, these women are making it up. Yeah. And that really, really there's hundreds. And there's hundreds. That, that that upsets me as a woman. And it would upset you, wouldn't it? And like, but yes. look at this number of women that have gone up. It's, it's not like one or two. I mean, obviously you're going to get a few that just want, you know, the, like the attention and the press and that. Is, but it's been like a, a resounding number of women. And, and they still think that actually, no, 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 no. It's the woman's fault. What was she doing going there? And it's like, it's not a small hotel room. It was a massive suite. It was a suite. Like, yeah, and, that, and, and a lot of people did read... their business from there, didn't they? Because that's absolutely work. Absolutely, yeah. I, the, the whole thing makes me sick. The, any of that stuff makes me sick. I was even having a conversation with um, uh, two female, um, you know, very intelligent um, female, and they were like, I don't understand how Epstein – how these 17 year old girls would do this. And I was like, well, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter if you understand or not, but, but really, I, you know, so clearly you wouldn't have been that 17 year old girl, but, and, and that's why I actually started watching the documentary and, and it, it shows he was actually really good. The two of them are really good at finding women who were particularly vulnerable, particularly yeah. who had been abused, who were, you know, who's, who, who didn't have backing or, or most of them, right. Who, or didn't have support or, or no, whatever the case, but, but it just, it just, it blows my mind. If you, if you think about the fact that it was going on for so long, there were, were, were a few brave women who, and no tea on anyone else, but there were a few women who stood up and said no and got so, so much abuse for it. And ostracized and, and shut down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what was I think it was um uh Hollywood versus women or women versus Hollywood, which is a great book. If you've not mm. read that, it's really, really good. I believe it's in here. She talks about um Weinstein in particular and says, Yes, in Hollywood, if you don't understand this audience, people do lots and lots and lots of meetings in hotel rooms. It is standard. Mm. Number one. Number two, if you're an actress or an actor and Harvey calls you, you go. Go, yeah. Or you don't work. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not hard to now, now that we know, to point to the actresses whose careers were totally annihilated. Yeah, yeah. As no, a result. I say that just because they wouldn't do what he wanted them to do. Yeah. And that's yeah. scary because you think, um, like you said about the 17 year old girls, 17, 20, you're still very impressionable. Stupid. You know, you're, yeah. Exactly. And you don't, you don't know who you are. You don't know what yes. you want from the world. You're trying to figure out, you know, your place and you're becoming an adult. So so really in your 20s as well, you're still basically a teenager as well. Yes. And, um, and you know, so for them, for people to turn around and say, it's the woman's fault. Well, no, they're, they're like, it's his fault because he's a grown man. He should know. Yes. Better. He yes. knows what he's doing and he's doing it. And 
And obviously, I mean, you'd be petrified if it was your first time and you think, oh, and you're 20 and you're completely naive and impressionable. And you think this famous person, you know, this big guy wants to see me. Oh, my God, this is so exciting. And then he could easily just say, well, if you don't do this, I can just easily find someone else. And that would be terrifying for you because you're that close to getting your dream job. And then someone having someone sort of just, you know, blacklist you and take it all away from you. And like, no one would want to. And that has happened, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. It has. And if you think about if you think about these are powerful men like and our society, Western society, absolutely um, touts the the importance of powerful men and stuff and big places. And 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 these men had that, you know, huge, beautiful hotel suites and whatever you want and Epstein's gorgeous estates and. How do you walk into that as a 17, 20 year old and not be absolutely floored and flabbergasted? Uh, like, yeah, and clearly he's doing something right because he's got all this success. And yeah. if I listen to him and do what he wants, I might have some too. Yeah. I mean, but they're very persuasive, aren't they? They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're yes. basically kind of grooming. not so much that yes they're victims yes but then also the people that work for them they're kind of they're sort of think this person's amazing because that's the impression they give them so in a way they're kind of be and you hear about things like you know how Michael Jackson in a way kind of groomed the family really you know he was in that situation I mean that's another sort of (laughs) difficult situation but it's but no that's a good that's a good point because it's 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 these people Bill Cosby as well that that have just stardom all over them and when when the parents meet them these are big deals this is like stars in the eyes big deals and and then so of course you're going to trust your daughter or your son or whatever around these people because oh my god yeah yeah and you're well known so you must be safe and uh, and moral and you know you've got your own kids for a lot of them I mean, Weinstein had kids, and you know, me. All these people have kids, so it's Can like. Can you a imagine secret. if he was your dad? Yeah. Oh. That's an awkward. Yeah, you change your name immediately. <laughs> Did she do that? His wife. I know oh, no, she I, divorced I, him right away, but. He, she. That's his. I think that was his second wife. Yeah, she I was think. a lot younger than him, and she was of stunning. Course. I don't know. I mean, that must have had to do. I don't know, a lot to Money. get, unfortunately. So that's kind of the flip side of it, really, isn't it? But yeah. Um, but I think we really do as a as a as a society. I think we all need to get out of this mindset of. I think it has to be um, the victim. Believe the victim first and foremost. Yes. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's innocent until proven guilty. But I think we can't we can't do this anymore we can't have this society where men are so oh so precious oh I wore a skirt that was too short and you lost control oh okay I'll wear yeah yeah like, it's like oh were, it's awful for wearing yeah. this skirt <laughs> yeah it's no like, oh, it's just, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah I'm sorry you're so weak uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you've been raised so poorly to think that you are entitled to my body as a result of you were whatever like yeah. we have to stop that has to go away that just has to go away yeah but, I'm um, hoping that oh go no no no, no. carry on because what you're saying is interesting sorry I, I was just I, I'm I'm hoping really that this this new uh, this era that we're moving into where we're where we're talking about this more where we're 
um, you know, hopefully learning to have better conversations about this and, and, and providing opportunities for people who haven't opportunity, haven't had opportunities before. I'm, I'm hoping, well, we're already seeing it, aren't we? Like Netflix is already showing, um, you know, you've got Indian language films on, when could you have found an Indian language film before Hmm. you, you, you know, we're, we're finding, um, there's more opportunity for different voices to come and and tell their stories, which I think is going to be magic. You know, yeah, definitely. More older people stories, more women stories, more people of color stories. All of those things are going to just, I think, enrich our society. That's a very positive step, though. I think that's a really good thing, isn't it? Rather than being very kind of like euphoriated or you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, it's quite interesting to see, you know, how people react because obviously we're being exposed to so much stuff, you know, like this is what beauty should look like. This is, yeah. you know, they should be at this age. And then you, you see these um, females, you know, in their sort of above thirties going for like Botox and plastic surgery and stuff. And you think what's wrong with aging? Because actually, you know, you find that um, as women get older and men as well, they, especially women, I think, a lot more, they get more and more interesting as they get older. And they have so much more to say. And they're not so much as a young person because you're still trying to figure out, you know, you want yeah. all this. You want all this kind of twinkly, twinkly business. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, you want, yeah. You know, yeah but, then, but then obviously they don't sort of think about, actually, I'm interested in the actual content. I mean, they would, but do you know what I mean? They, they want more from what yeah. they're doing. I totally like, agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I think. You know, I was I was thinking about this a while ago. I was thinking about um, women like Helen Mirren or um, or even uh, Robin Wright. Do you mm. know who that is? Right? Yeah, she was um, in Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. she was in House of Cards as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She's she was also in Wonder Woman. She's got to be, I think she's fifty eight. She's stunning now, still. She's ridiculous. And kicked ass in Wonder Woman. She's an amazing actor. Yeah, she's a, she's absolutely brilliant. But but um, but there we haven't really. These are like a new generation of older women, showing us that there's no one way to age, which I think is really lovely. Right? Mm. There's no. It's not the dowdy, moo moo dress and the set hair anymore. It's whatever yeah. you want it to be. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Oh, amazing. Is she still acting now? She- yes, she's got a new film out. Um, oh, oh, oh. She's, it's a new film out. It's about um, a, an organization in Chicago called, I want to say it's called Jane's House or something. It was a, kind of an underground railroad for abortions okay. oh, before okay. Roe v. Wade. So it was, um, and I guess we'll have to start that up again. Um, but yes, yeah, so she's, she's, just in that just aired I want to say like last month yeah and she got yeah. amazing reviews she's so, yeah, actually she's, proven herself wrong isn't she as she's going on I mean obviously in the 90s she was well known for being Ripley and but then obviously um as she's gotten older like you know she's she's done a lot of really very interesting films yeah, and quite yeah, indie yeah. type films you know it's not not like big she's done a few but obviously you know she's done a few more kind of sort of off the grid type things if you know what I mean yeah yeah and 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 that's what's kind of really proven her to be a, actually she is a very very intelligent actress 
she's she, she really is mother. yeah 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 she comes from though she's um she, her father was head of cbs for a long time so she comes oh, from okay. money she comes from the industry but she absolutely does great have you seen galaxy quest uh no and no, i know of it it's kind of like a parody isn't it on yeah. the actors playing on star trek yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and that alan rickman is like an alien or oh. something Alan Rickman play yeah he's and he's so he's I love Alan Rickman so much he's so Alan Rickman and it just just is there anyone that can play bo- bothered better than he can do you know do you what know I mean like funny. when he's bothered do you know what's funny um I remember seeing um an interview of him and actually I'll tell you a quick funny story not to sort of name drop but I will so <laughs> go my, on girl my, do it my younger sisters went to the same school as um quite a few famous celebs used to go send their kids there so it was Mick Jagger and Jerry Hall and there's a few other ones that uh, Pete Townsend and there was a Sultan Prince who was like eight years old um oh, shit. Uh, yeah yeah ridiculous <laughs> so people were just like la, 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 going to school um so as I was saying um and one of their friends was Rich D Grant's daughter I don't know if you know okay he's a famous yeah yeah, yeah. So, so they were they used to hang out quite a lot with his, you know, their friend, his daughter, um, and he's actually a really lovely guy. You know, he seems so. He's just a really genuine person. You just think, you know, that's just his job. Do you know what I mean? On the, but then other way, like you put your work hat off and take it on and put it off, and blah, blah, blah. then he's just a dad, really. Do you? Yeah, think? yeah. And he was, he's a very good dad. Um, so a really nice man. And um, I remember once they came back, and I mean, there were kid kids and we're like so what did you do today with your friends and you know like oh we had lunch with Alan Rickman and Miranda um I can't remember her name uh Richardson Richardson yeah 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 you know it's like la 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 <laughs> <laughs> they would have been too young to realize you know who any of these people were on or no yeah on the screen um, yeah but but I remember seeing uh so that was one thing about Alan Rickman but I remember seeing a documentary because he's got a very distinct he had a very distinctive voice didn't he yeah and um and he apparently said that when he started out his drama teacher said he would never make it with this awful really awful voice that he had but then he used to like he just became his singers were like Christopher Walken or these these yeah. actors are well known for these amazing voices really exactly exactly <laughs> So when you say Alan Rickman, I just think, you know, this amazing voice. But, um, yeah, and I immediately think of Hans Gruber again because I talked about Die Hard so many times. It's Hans Gruber. (laughs) And actually, that was the first film he did, wasn't he? Because before he was all mostly theatre. He was a theatre actor. And that that was quite a risky movie. Is that right? Um, Well, I think in the American... uh, mainstream it was quite because it was kind of his debut maybe look it up he did a few tvs i did tv stuff and things back here i think but he was predominantly a theater actor and then um when they cast him he was like kind of like an unknown you know english actor playing the german guy or whatever i think that's what they said is that i'm i have to look it up now yeah yeah because I think the first okay. Die Hard was kind of like on the minimal budget, um, and eighty-eight. Um, I think it was a. I think it was a pretty, pretty no. good budget. You know, that was the yeah. Fox building as well. Is that building still up? By the way, it is, isn't it? 
It is, right? It, it is. It's obviously no longer Fox. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. Many uh, times. What was it called? What was it called then? The Tower? Um, it was just called the Fox Tower, as I oh, remember. Okay. Um, but yeah, because it sat, um, it sits, it's in Century City. So okay. that whole, okay. that whole area. So back in the day when the studios were big before, before the collapse in the fifties, they had huge lots. So Fox, that was all Fox studio lots. It was huge. Oh, okay. And after they made Cleopatra, they um, were in dire straits. So the head of the Oh, studios, I heard about this because it had a ridiculous budget, didn't it, Cleopatra? Didn't it, it get? It did, uh, yeah. Is that what and broke them, do you think? It was, yeah. It broke them. And they um, they sold off a lot of the land, and that's why it's called Century City after 20th Century oh, Fox. Okay. So if you okay. so in that, there's the, there's the tower and a parking garage, and then you walk past the tower and down, and then you go into what is the Fox lot now, which is still big, but it's a much, much, much smaller um, uh, lot. Yeah. So tons yeah. of studios, but very small. Yeah. Are you looking it up? <laughs> I did. So so Alan's, uh, he was in some Shakespeare in 78 on BBC. Yeah. In the theatre? Um, or, or, or no, no, on, uh, um, TV on TV, yeah. Okay. Smiley's People, uh, Busted. I don't know what Busted is. He did do a thing where he played a ghost of... Um, it Someone was... who's with Emma Thompson, right? No, 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 that was something else. It was with, um, and it was a BBC drama series that came out, I remember. Um, oh. He was well known for, no, he was very well known. He was like a TV theatre actor back here. But I think that might have been kind of like his big breakthrough. You're right. It was, he definitely had done nothing that we saw in the States. Yeah, until, yeah. Until Die Hard. So you're right. You're absolutely right. That's That's crazy. Yeah. But he proved himself wrong, didn't he? I mean, he's an incredible, yes, he did. incredible actor. He was so good as um, the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin <laughs> Girl, totally agree. I totally agree. That is my favourite. I love Robin Hood with Kevin Costner because of Reichman. He is yeah, so... Yeah. He is so shitty and so good. But he's funny as well. He's, he's like, I'll, so I'll, I'll, do it. I'll, I'll see you in Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he's so, he's so, so Ellen Reichman. He's so and horrible to those women, but it's actually really funny. To them. Yes, yes. So good. I'm so glad you said that. That's one of my very favourites. Only I think because that was of him. the only like, good thing it. about that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, really good. Like, I could watch it again just for him. Yeah, like yeah, I'd watch, exactly. I'd sit through the whole thing, no problem, just for yeah, him. Because yeah. it really wasn't that good a film, really, yeah. was it? I mean, Kevin Costner's accent kept sort of going in and out, and then and he was, I think, just a skosh too old for you know, like he was probably in his mid forties or something, which yeah. is not kind of the Robin Hood age. And I didn't feel like that there was any any chemical between him and Marion. Like it was no, like, there was no chemistry, was there? No, yes. I didn't. I wasn't rooting for them. No love, no. But anytime Alan was on, I'm freaking there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had uh, Sean Connery playing the King of England, like 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 with this strong Scottish. Oh right. No, his accent. It was a, a Braveheart, wasn't he? he? Comes in from the from the war afterwards, and he's like the King of England. So really, he should have had like an English accent, and he comes accent. with really strong Scottish accent. Going on a Wait, horse. no, was that Braveheart or was that Robin Hood? No, that was Robin Hood. He played. Uh, okay. Hang on, 
he played the the, the light. Oh no, hang on. What was his called? Uh, so it was King Richard, but what was King Richard's sort of nickname? Was it the Lionheart or something like that? Yeah, King Richard Lion. Yeah, Lionheart. So he was Richard yeah. the First of England. So he came back from fighting many years and that's why I don't know I can't I don't know the history blah, blah 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 but yeah so I mean he's a he's a real person but obviously they kind of did a fictionalized version of him in uh in Robin Hood but he comes on at the very end on his horse and you know returning oh. to battle it's been a long time since I've seen that film but yeah it was just a really strange casted <laughs> it wasn't that good no no, and you know what? They didn't even they don't even um, credit him in the movie. Do they not? <laughs> no, it says it says Sean Connery, King Richard, uncredited. Oh, yeah, you know that was just that was just to get people excited, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And also, I think that this is where marketing comes in very useful because another thing that made the film so big when really it wasn't that good a film it's kind of like titanic was the song wasn't it it was brian adams yeah that song was in the charts for like three months during the summer it was all i ever heard and uh, yeah that's a good point i forgot all about that horrible yeah. song so that would have yeah. and obviously the music video was sort of like bits of him singing and then obviously bits of the film of so the people film, are yeah. going to naturally think oh i'll go watch the film it's a bit like terminator when the guns and roses made their music video for um the second Terminator film, you know, you oh, will, right. will be mine. So yeah, actually that's quite clever, isn't it? How music and uh, film is it, actually a very good way of marketing and bringing people in Absolutely. to watch things. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big, I mean, back to black exploitation. those soundtracks were huge. The, really? They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Isaac Hayes won an Oscar for Shaft, and that was the first time a black man had ever won an Oscar. Is that right? Maybe Quincy beat him. I could be mm. talking out of my. But the but black exploitation. We'll just cut that part out. But black yeah. exploitation. <laughs> um, their soundtracks were very very um, important and really? and were yeah were chart toppers for sure. It was all great like yeah. funk and yeah. good stuff. Yeah, and I guess also music that we would have been really exposed to as much at the time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, I see, I see. So, so, I mean, there would have probably been, like, um, at the time, music that we wouldn't have been hearing on the radio on a regular basis. or, or, or Well, you guys would have, because you guys have always been yeah, lovers yeah. of, of uh, you know, of black music from yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, we do. We are. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. How many stars I came over? And, and, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean... The whole the the tours that would come over here just make me so jealous that I wasn't <laughs> alive. Yeah, I mean, um, I actually know a friend of mine. He he uh, he was at Warner for a long time, and an an older gentleman. But he would go to. He was telling me about these shows he went to in the day, which would you know it was like Otis Redding with Aretha Franklin, wow. and um, you know and you just go like, oh, wow, what a great all of those people together. What an amazing show. <laughs> Did you yeah. um actually that's really good you brought me on to something um did you ever see the film uh, that Renee Wells uh, Zellweger did of Judy Garland I've not seen it yet did oh, you Oh oh no watch it it's so good 
No, she's really good in that. But actually, that's quite because she came over towards the end of her career when her career was going yes. downhill. And um, I mean, this was when her life sort of kind of got quite bad and she was doing I mean she always did the drugs didn't she I mean she was yes really and that was partly to do with the studio and her mother and you know um, it was all to do with the studio yeah awful isn't it when you think about you know how much control they would have had over her and 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 anyone at the time they that you know so they controlled what she ate they controlled how mm -hmm. she looked you know how she had to come across you know all this sort of stuff so so obviously her career was going downhill and she was kind of in the process of divorcing her husband at the time, who I think was like uh, her daughter's, uh, who's her daughter? Uh, Minnelli, yeah. Yeah, Liza. like Minnelli's uh, and her brother. So this was the only way which she could sort of make her money again. And it was because yeah. the English audiences loved her um, and um, they invited her over to do a series of, concerts didn't they and yes. that's what that's what the the film is centered around is towards the later you know towards the end of her life basically when she was yeah doing yeah this so so um so that kind of doesn't surprise me that a lot of them would have come over here at some point to do just purely um you know concerts for instance yeah 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 get some money back for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, no but that is a really interesting film you should you should watch that she's really good in that film okay a minute she okay. does she's yeah she's a pretty incredible actress isn't she yeah I feel kind of bad for her because she mm, I think she kind of got a lot of flack at one point didn't she and people kind of it was the plastic surgery flack you mean I think that's what it was and then she yeah. kind of went off and came back again but um but you know really she's actually a very good actress and yeah people I think that's what it is they they underestimated her I think they just thought, oh, it's this, 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 not, you know, she just looks like this and she does this. And Which is hilarious because if you think about her career, I mean, really powerful films pop to mind, right? Like Jerry oh. Maguire's a great film. That was her breakout film. That's the first one I saw of her when I was 16. <laughs> yeah. I think that was, I think that was her first, that was it definitely was. It her was first her, big it, role. It yeah. was her big film. Yeah. And then um, the Bridget Joneses are great. I mean, the yeah, first couple I love are, those are films. fab. She's um, done. She's done some really good she did stuff. Cold, Cold Mountain, did she? I never saw that one with Jude Law, and that was kind of like a big epic um, period piece. I never saw yeah, that. Yeah, based one, on but... on the novel. Yeah, I've not seen that one. I read the book, but I've not yeah. seen the movie yet. She was good in Chicago. I think she got. She was fabulous. That's right. She was fabulous in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I thought as Roxy. And actually, I yeah. remember her saying that. You know, I think she got quite a lot of criticism. A criticism for for being cast as Roxy. I think she did. I. I I remember people were like, "What?" When yeah, she got yeah, cast. like. But she was good. I thought she, she was. was great. really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she had to um obviously have singing lessons, and dance lessons for that. But um, I thought she sounded amazing in that film. Um, and then when she did um Judy Garland, she, she kind of had to do two things, didn't she? She had to learn to sing again and learn to sing like Judy Garland as well. So not only are even, you thinking, even harder. You got to put on her voice on top of that, which which is really hard. Incredibly, because because Judy Garland's an, an icon. She's yeah. absolutely beloved to this day. So if you're going to step into those shoes, I mean, it would to me, it's it's as um, it would be as scary as um, Jennifer doing um, Aretha Franklin, like 
Yeah. Can you imagine as an actress? I mean, tell me as an actress, if you if your agent called and said, listen, you're being considered to play one of the most amazing singers ever. You you'd both pee on yourself and, yeah. and cry with happiness at the same time. You go, oh! Yeah. You must imagine really how daunting. Yeah. But then you hear about, you know, there have been other actors, like when Gary Oldman, I mean, several actors have played Winston Churchill. I mean, that, <laughs> Zillions. that big, you know. So, so, so that would have also been a scary one. So it must be really hard for actors not only to be playing another actor or, or another well another person personality but, yeah but, but then also it's a very well-known one in the public eye and it's a real person as well so they're kind of like a fictionalized version of them sometimes it depends on the film doesn't it yeah some of them like to be a bit more realistic and a bit more true to the person it's a, and other times it's a bit more of a kind of um yeah fictionalized version like you've you know there's um episodes that that show with Matt LeBlanc (laughs) where that was a really good show because he kind of set himself out to be you know he's obviously not really that guy but he's playing himself in a way (laughs) yeah 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 I have to tell you that that show to me is amazing I I like that show (laughs) I love 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 first of all I didn't know who Tasman was or um I'm gonna blank on his name and I think Steve Mungrel. Mon- Mon- yes. 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 Was super pleased to to meet those actors and also the um the blonde who um have you met them? Played... No, 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 no. Oh, Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. To, to, okay. to meet them in the sense of like oh, oh, see okay. their work because yeah, yeah, I had yeah, no yeah. idea. And the and the blonde woman who plays the um uh she's in a smaller part but she comes on she's supposed to be the funny person and they always run a joke by her and she goes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, and she's absolutely brilliant. Her show on BBC is un, un, or is it on? No, it's on Netflix. Where is that show? Um, where she plays a woman who uh, uh, is released from jail. She was found guilty of. of uh, Orange is the New Black. Not that one. No, 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 no. This is an English show, so she's English. That, okay. that blonde. But the but back to episodes. That show yeah. is amazing yeah. to me because it's like my life in reverse. Oh really? Right? So these English people come out and they're absolutely floored and taken aback by no Hollywood. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, n- no idea, and and you get a little bit of how the vocabulary is completely. It's two different languages, completely yeah. different languages. Yeah. And mine was in reverse. So about the time they started episodes was about the time I came here. And I remember when I first came here, like sitting in a pub, and people talking to me, and I'm thinking, I'm hearing English words. But I, I mean, don't. I'm getting the words, <laughs> but I have no idea what you're saying at all. It, it was months before, I mean, in a loud situation with drink and people get more animated. I mean, no clue for months what people were saying to me. No, oh, really? It, and it's the weirdest sensation to hear English words. Like you can, you can recognize the words, but have no idea what. It's like they're just reading random words from well, a dictionary. Well, it's the almost. same language, isn't it? But obviously, it co- um, completely different. And uh, I, I mean, I here's a good example of it: is that um, when I studied Mandarin, it, there were American students, there were Canadian students, there were Australian students, uh, and even sometimes they could understand. What, and we're all speaking English, <laughs> right? Like, right. I, I don't understand you. And also that I think has a lot to do with the accent and 
you know, their their um, you know, their slang, you know, for instance. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> what are you saying? And I remember going to the States once uh and asking for a bottle of water. I said water. Water. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite. Right? Very simple, right? I think it was in Seattle and I went up to this woman in in a, in a marketplace. Can I have a bottle of water, please? And it was this Chinese woman looked at me like, huh? Like that. And I yeah. said, can I have some water, please? <laughs> like water. And she went, huh? I don't understand what you were saying. And I went, and I gave up in the end. I just went, water, like that. And she came into me. See? You are you I have heard like at least ten English people tell me the same story. About oh really? The water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. One letter sounding off, like you know. You it just, sounds so different when you guys say it, though, and and do you? once you know what you're saying, then it doesn't sound so different. But if you hear it, like just in and of itself, and there's no context, right? So you're in a shop, and you could be asking literally for anything, and you're saying ta, and we're going what the fuck? <laughs> what? No clue. What are you saying? I've even been in a Starbucks and had someone ask for water and uh, an English person and the Starbucks person was just completely like, I have no idea what you're asking for. <laughs> what? What? It's Yeah, it's just, but you're right. It's just, once you have a context for it, you know what you're saying, but but sitting in a pub with people speaking with a thick English accent and yeah. getting more and more drunk, you're just like, I, oh man, what are you even saying? No but clue. I guess like you said, if they're, if once it gets to the point where they've drunk so much, you know, then that's going to heighten their personality in a way exactly. they talk, won't they? So they'll be caught kind of off guard. And, and uh, yeah, no, it is funny how even the same language, but it happens everywhere. Like, you know, um, I was telling my friend Tommy when we did the New Year Chinese New Year special that there's a big difference between South, you know, er- like areas of England, they all have their own, uh, regional accents for instance of course yeah China's exactly the same like they they have a video on youtube which is really interesting where people are all saying the same phrase but it sounds so different because they're from different oh. so you should look it up because that's really interesting like it just says you know um the person will tell them okay say this and they'll just say like hello how are you or well, my name is blah, 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 blah. and that's it something really simple but then they get people from different areas of China and different regions and different cities. And I can't understand what some of them are saying. And I know the basics, but even, you know, a lot of them I couldn't understand. So it is really interesting. And like the Beijing, I was telling him, is the the kind of the famous one um, for them because it's lots of Irish sounds. And with us, it's oh, kind right. of like... With us, it's kind of like the Cornwall, the Devon accent is very R, kind of like, you know, like there's a war, <laughs> it's that kind of stuff. So it's oh, interesting. interesting how accents work. And actually, that kind of made me think. Um, I mean, I've spoken about it so many times, but it was such a good TV show. And I know it's a TV show, so we shouldn't really talk about it. But then um, I guess we could, because really, Netflix, it's on Netflix. So the Squid Game. TV and film is it's, it's it's no longer what it is. Yeah. It? Yeah. That Squid Game, they were saying, um, and here's an interesting point, actually. Um, I saw that in the dubbed version. I didn't realise you could see that in the original version. Oh. And in, did you watch it? No. Oh. Um, so I'm the only what, one. I'm the one. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, there are a few people. <laughs> my, sis, my sisters refuse to watch it as well. They're too scared. 
but it okay. is a really good show. It's just it's it's difficult to watch at times. Yes, and it's it's quite harrowing <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But um, but they were saying that actually, my mum and her partner when they saw it, um, because Netflix gives you both options. It gives you the options to listen in the dubbed version, and it gives you the so original kind of. version. Um, and um, and actually. It's funny hearing people's views about it because when they see the the original one version, it comes across a lot more chilling and scary. I bet. Whereas the, the it was quite hard at first because I didn't realize you could watch in two options. I it just automatically came on in the dubbed, and I thought this looks this sounds really stupid. But then after a while, you switch that off. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely. So so the context is different, but. They were saying that, um, you know, in all those sort of YouTube videos about, you know, the making of it, blah, 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 that one of the female roles, she's from a certain, in the in the series, in the show, she's meant to be from a certain area in South Korea. And she had to have a dialect coach because she knew that people would pick up on it and think, like, well, you say you're from this place, but you don't sound like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very subtle, but we obviously don't know because if you're too lazy, we're listening to it in English. You know, it's just general English, for instance. It's a, um so but but yeah, it's it is really interesting how accents and uh voices and that sort of in the States, it sort of confuses people totally. Um, actually, I was going to talk to you about that quickly, but I need to use the toilet quickly. So, do you want to have oh, a quick okay. break? <laughs> yes. So let's let's have a quick pause, and we'll come back. Okay. Okay. So, hello, we're back again. We had a quick break, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry about that. Um, there's something I was going to ask you because we're getting into that really interesting conversation about accents and languages. Um, it clicked. Did you ever see the film Babel? And what did you think about it, if you have seen it? No. Oh, my God, you don't watch it. So it's okay. it's one of these films. It's with Brad Pitt, Kate uh, Blanchett, um, and I can't remember who the director was. It took them a whole year. It took him a whole year to make, to, 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 to film. Sorry, what am I talking about? To, to film, just to film it, because it's done through... So hang on, I'm gonna do Babel, Babel. So Babel is yeah. obviously, you know, the famous it's from the Bible, isn't it? Yeah. And there's that famous quote which they use in the trailer actually, where it says, um, it's something like in the beginning, all man's people spoke one language. Um and something like, do you know this quote? I don't I can't remember it. And it's something like uh, but fearful of, ma of what man could do or something like that, uh, God decided to confuse their language so they wouldn't understand each other. It was something like that. It's a famous bit from the Bible, which they use as part of the trailer. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay, hang on. Uh, therefore, uh, because the Lord confused the language so that nobody could understand each other. And in the film Babel, it is literally like that because it's one of those films where it's all interconnected. You know, when you have those ensemble films, it's kind of like Magnolia, where it goes back and forth from different people. And their, right, stories, okay. their stories are all kind of end up being interconnected 
with each other. But they ne- they might not necessarily meet people, you know, that it goes on to. So, but they're yeah, all yeah, yeah. kind of like, which is a really interesting take on life, actually. Like, you know, this person knows this person, and as a consequence, this is happening. And this, da, 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 da. Um, so Babel's a bit like that. So basically, it starts off with an American couple in Morocco, and Kate Blanchett's his wife, and um, Brad Pitt's the husband. And they're on the tour bus, and she accidentally gets shot on the tour on the bus. I think I've seen the start of this, and for some yeah. reason, and yeah. It, um, but then also, it takes part in Morocco, in the States, in sometimes Mexico, and in uh, Japan. So, because their kids, the, the American tourist kids, are back home with the house, uh, the babysitter, the house. And she's meant to go to a wed- her son's wedding in Mexico, but she ends up being an illegal immigrant. So she takes the kids across because at the same time, their mother's been shot. So he can't, they can't get back home in time to let her go to her son's wedding, basically. So it's, it's, I mean, it's very you know complicated. But so the, the Japan bit is basically that he sold, there's a father and a daughter, the father sold the gun to it's kind of <laughs> to oh, I see. Right, right, right. people of Morocco to a family in Morocco in this village, and the sons are playing around with this gun that the dad gave, I think, just to look after. And these sons are messing around with this rifle, which the Japanese businessman sold to them. And this is the rifle that basically shoots her. Right. So it's kind right. of like an accident, but they're all kind of interconnected. So. So there's a there's the story of the American couple and the, the wife that's been shot on the bus. Then there's a the story of the family in Morocco and the sons that have accidentally shot the woman on the bus because they were just messing around with the gun in the distance. And then there's the story of the the man who sold the gun to that. <laughs> so it's all kind of that it kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. back and forth from each country. So I think it was set they had to go over to several different we afford it so they had America, they had Morocco, Japan, and yeah, part Mexico. of Mexico. So it's kind of set over three different continents. So can you imagine how hard that would have been to Corey to, to do all of that? So I think they would yeah. have had sev- several, um, what do you call it when units? Is that what they do? Yeah, yeah. So well, have you'll like, have, is that you how have like a big a... film like that would work, for instance? Yeah, you you have um, either you have fixers in in the area in okay. the who right so so they'll help set up everything that you need set up. Um, you'll hire, uh, you know, you'll have you'll have connections to hire your basic crew. Obviously, everyone above the line and and heads of departments come, but um, everyone else will be hired locally. Okay, so so for instance, the big boss would obviously be the director, and I'd guess he'd have to maybe it by the internet or go every now and then and they'll have like a maybe like a dp who's who's in charge of that country in that unit would that would it work that way for no your producer the producer would be doing all of that oh all okay of that work, so, right? so they so would be their boss basically the one who's in charge of the creative side of telling the real director's story if that makes sense yeah so so yeah, yeah. if you think about it your producer is is the mother father right and they handle right. all the logistics and the director okay. is is the artist who comes up with the vision for everything and then and then um uh and uh this director works 
most often with a DP. So that DP is going to follow and shoot everything. Okay. From country to country. So you'd get, you'd get, um, you know, you'd have a location manager in territory that would come back to you with suggestions and then you'd, you probably would have done a scout, the director and the producer and the DP would have gone and scouted, made sure they liked it. And then, you know, you talk to the local crew. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, in, in cases like that, you only travel with what you a can't get in the country or b the the people who are also responsible for creative look and feel right you're not going to change a dp in the middle of yeah a shoot right so so a lot of the time would they have used low they would have used locals because i'd imagine for visa purposes that would have been really really hard to make sure everyone's got visas in order to be able to go work in this country and then send them over to another country so yeah yeah unless the actors are doing it but then Of course, yes. But most, it's not, especially for big productions, like if you're doing branded stuff like commercials, um, it's a little more difficult. But for big features, um, the world has figured out that we spend a lot of money. Yes. (laughs) Movies movies spend a lot of money from feeding to housing to all of that. So films are usually pretty welcome. um, And uh, so visas are, are... are a pain but they they don't most of the time countries realize that it's a benefit so at least in my experience not to be fair I've not shot in that many exotic locations yeah um actually that's a good question to ask you is that during the lockdowns when nobody was allowed to travel some film companies were allowed to travel weren't they I think because it was I think I remember hearing that because it was their their work I'm not sure. It was quite. It got quite complicated, didn't it? Like it did. It did. And who couldn't go? And because technically everything was shut down, the borders were shut down. We weren't allowed to travel anywhere, and they weren't allowed to travel here. And, but there were. I making, don't think. I don't think there was much done. No. Um, and uh, there was a lot of. Done. It did kind of switch things so that more local com- crews were being hired, but right. most people weren't working in, in the heart of it. Um, and I will say that the shitty part about about Corona or a, a shitty part about it in, in combo uh, with Brexit was Brexit hit and then Corona hit. And and because they gave no thought to any part of Brexit, no planning to any part of Brexit. Yeah. We yeah. certainly didn't think at all about the movie industry, which um, what was the stat just came out recently? There was 13 billion or something last year in in UK film production I mean it was a I'm I'm riffing on that number it, but it was a huge number no thought was given to us and so for our industry it is it has become very difficult to travel mm. whereas it used to be super easy yeah. and, and even when even when something like shooting in Norway would be a breeze you go over you shoot your back now that we're not in the EU and with COVID, it meant we were under a different rule and regulation than the EU. So if I was in the EU shooting and going to Norway, easy peasy, no problem. But coming from the UK suddenly was a big deal. And and I've had shoots we didn't, we couldn't go over. We just had to hire locally. And that was that. Yeah. And people don't seem to realize that actually the film industry employs a ridiculous amount of people, doesn't it? And, you know, like you said, that it's would enormous. basically be a huge chunk of the economy basically cut off 
And then yeah. that's kind of like a ripple effect because it would affect this, then it would affect this. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. So, and if, you just, if you boil it down to just simple numbers, the fact that I can't take a crew with me means DPs living in the UK aren't working. You know, I would have, if it's a small, say a branded content piece, right? You end up taking um, a sound person, a camera op, and like a gaffer. So those are three, you know, usually then I'll, you know, the last person you want to leave behind is your DP because mm. that's a lot to risk on someone you've not worked with before. Yeah. But yeah. now those people won't get, those UK citizens won't get that work because I have to hire in territory. Yeah. So um, that's, you know, yeah, horrible. Did you, um, I can't remember, I think it was last year or maybe it was year before. See, I just a thing with COVID. Is that because of so many lockdowns? <laughs> we lost track of time, don't we? So totally, I, it's all one lump to be. You know when it's like a box of chocolates that was left in the car and melted. Yes, it used to be individual. Now it's just this lump of. I don't remember what happened when. I have no clue. I have no clue. I mix now, like from really from like two thousand, like eighteen is almost a blur, isn't it? So it all. Yeah. 2021. Oh my God, we're in twenty two. It's just this lump of. I know. All one year. And it doesn't feel like it's been two years already nearly. I mean, hang on. We I still... know. Does that blow your mind? I'm it totally... Does. It does, because I just feel like I haven't... Oh. Well, especially in 2020, when that was the worst year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I just feel like a lot of people, I hadn't accomplished anything. I'd done nothing for six months because, um, you know, I teach swimming. And obviously... Uh, I'm an actor as well but then obviously the acting side sort of shut down and then eventually Done. people were doing like you were were eventually doing self-tapes and things which is what I've been doing a lot more and actually that's sort of stuck around a lot more now hasn't it yes I think people so aren't doing so much traveling to go to auditions as much it sort of happens now but I think everyone's kind of playing it safe and now they'd rather do self-tapes so self-tapes yeah, yeah. So. same same for voiceovers I'll, oh really like Whereas it was always in studio before and now it's home studio, home studio. Yeah, home studio. yeah. So it just felt like that whole year was like, what have I done? <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't know what I've done. And then, and then I don't even know the beginning of the end of that year. Like, what? I know, what? I know. Are we done with 1920? <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, 2020? <laughs> so what I was saying was, when, um, do you remember that there was that famous incident where Tom Cruise, because he was, he's obviously the producer, he was the producer of, the latest Mission Impossible film at the time. And there was that famous rant that he had to two of the yeah. crew members, wasn't there? And then you realise, so you think, so that there was kind of two sides to that argument was one, he shouldn't, he sounds like a bully. But then on the flip side, people in the film industry were kind of behind him because he's, he's, he's right. What he's saying, these are people's Absolutely. livelihoods. You're jeopardizing their livelihoods. You know, he's, and nobody, Absolutely. and nobody mentioned that actually they'd done it before. They they weren't paying attention to the rules. Um, and, you know, he had a sort of quiet word of them. And then he just flipped like he would do because you, he's also got the stress of being a producer, making That's sure right. that the film goes in a cinema because no one's going to the cinema at all. And he needs, he's, he's making sure, he needs to make sure that everyone starts going back to the cinema. So that was like a whole thing with the, the big films like James Bond, that yeah. film, you know, they, they all had to go, because that's an industry in itself. But he was saying, basically, these are people's livelihoods. People are sending their, co their kids to college, yeah. uh, food. 
so what are you doing so you so so that's kind of another thing to it isn't it really you don't realize actually this is people's livelihoods and if you take that away like you said there's no help for them I mean there was yeah. like a job scheme we had furlough and I knew a few, I know a few people who are self-employed they got some help from the government but the film music side and the theatre industry they really struggled didn't they there was, there was no there was no support I can't remember what the um um, I can't remember what the rules were for, for you had to, if you were going to apply for help as a freelancer, there was really odd rules that almost no one qualified for. I mean, thank, thank God for me that I had been teaching at Ravensbourne and that just kicked yeah. in. So that was excellent for me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And but also the, you could the, still, you were still keeping busy as well because you were still yeah. working and doing that via Zoom teaching your students. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. but the, but the, I mean, yeah, people were just, I loved that rant. I personally thought, like, I was super right on him. Whatever crazy he is, Scientology nonsense, he... Aside, yeah. Yeah, like, that was spot on, and he seems like, you know, he takes care of his crew. Yeah. People are yeah. always seem really happy. They, they, I think... Proof is in the pudding. He gets the same same crew goes back and back and back and back and back. Oh, really? So back to, yeah, the same people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and says a lot, doesn't it, about him? Absolutely. As, I mean, you know, put aside, like you said, his personal, you know, stuff like his Scientology and all that stuff. That's a different thing. But but in the works thing, he's he's looking out for everyone. He's making sure they're all safe. So he's yeah. got, you know, he's got that to sort of that pressure on you know he's their boss really he's not just the absolutely well and and as the producer that money is you know it's on his head if he doesn't yes. finish production yeah. do you remember I don't know if it was that and the studio shoot. on top of him as well aren't they oh absolutely because that's a lot of them money pressing against him it's kind of like they're on him and he's on them and it's just like yeah you know, he needs to make sure that people start going back because it's affecting people's jobs and there's no money coming in and yeah 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 it, like a vicious I was totally down with that rant I thought that was brilliant yeah so, so what were you saying yeah <laughs> so what were you saying about that sorry because I interrupted you no 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 I was uh, no I was just saying uh, I mean the the thing too was that was before the vaccine wasn't it so yes yes oh yes there's no, yeah 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 there was a crapshoot of yeah, there was a crapshoot, though, whether or not you could get that and, and possibly die, right? So, yeah. or yeah, or long COVID as well. I mean, you must have, I've got at least two friends who, who are suffering long COVID and it's awful. Yeah. I just found out a very uh, good friend of mine had COVID and it had had um, damaged his lungs to such an extent that he was oh. hospitalized and nearly died. Oh my God. And he's still, still suffering with it. They put him on a, on a, um, a treatment of steroids so he's gained weight because of it but he's alive and, and his lungs are finally healing but this yeah. has been a couple of years for him can you wow. imagine yeah no and I do some, sorry so imagine some dick comes on set and doesn't want to wear a mask or hasn't um you know is up in my face without a mask and I oh, that would mm -mm. piss me off yeah yeah well, <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah I don't know. Oh, actually, because we're talking about film sets and how they work. This is another thing I kind of want to sort of bring up with you. What did you think about, you know, this awful thing that happened with Alec Baldwin when he was shooting? Girl, that was so, that, that's so, exactly, isn't it? 
really it's funny. tragic. It's a shit show. It's a, it's it's tragic. It was have, there, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, was the yeah, DP, yeah. so he shot the bullet went through her ch- through her chest and hit the director behind her. Mm. They were both watching the monitor. It's a shit show. It's it is from everything that I've read, and and I'm I'm super into this. I've read almost every article I could get my hands on. Yeah, that the producers were um, just trying to cut, 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 cut every possible way they could weren't taking care of the crew and they asked their armorer who was this is her second feature mm-hmm. so the armorer is in charge of all weaponry on set yes they asked her to take on another role as well so she was doing two jobs at once right which right. to me on a western is completely crazy because a western is nothing but guns right mm. it's like it's like um if you've What's got a gangster movie film? so yeah you absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. You, so, Yes, yeah, so you want, and and I think because she was new, um, she took the role or took both roles rather than putting her foot down and saying, no, I'm only going to do one. It was just sloppy all the way through. And, mm. and I think it's rather telling that they had crew walk off that day. I was going to say, because there were reports of people walking aw- walking off, weren't they, saying that they're safe, they were not, they were worried about their safety. And this was not the first not the second, but the third accidental shooting on that, um, or or uh, a mess up with um, oh, firearms really? on that set. Yeah. So so on yeah. the same on the same set. So that was the third yes. time. But it was I'd the imagine, third time. I'd imagine the first two times were minor. What it's minor. Yes. Now I have not found any. Yeah. Yeah, I've not I have not found what those what specifically happened in the first two. Um, if they were just discharges and it hit something and it was clearly like a live round or what exactly were the first two incidences. But the fact is at one is when you shut everything down and you have a a solid reevaluation of what's going on because you don't do that. Someone's going to die and no one should die making a film. We were making films, not saving lives. But but that's that's the thing. It was, it was, uh, it was sloppy, wasn't it? It was sloppy work because they're getting the most important people. And like I said, they're, they're they're trying to cut back on expenses, yep. and you think, yes. what's more important, this or the cost of your crew and cast's lives? <laughs> and, well, and you know what? And you can put it into money, right? You, yeah. you can boil it yeah. down to money. As a as a producer, if I was producing that feature, and there had been, like I said, that first accidental um, accidental shot or whatever it was, I would absolutely shut down take a day off for everyone and sit with my armorer and my AD and, and everyone else and say, what is going on? What's happening? Why, you know, this needs to be a hundred times more safe. And, and you can look at it financially. So how much is, how much is it costing now? That film will never finish. So it'll never be, it'll never be marketable. You'll never have anything to sell off of it. You'll never make your money back on top of that. You've got X number of lawsuits launching they might not all win, but one or two of them will win, and you've lost all of that money. So instead of shutting down for a day or two and making sure and locking everything down and figuring out what went wrong and making sure it doesn't happen again, where you would have you would have lost two days of pay for all the crew and two days for all of that, big deal. But now you've got this amount of, of costs, which are Herculean. Yeah. And and that was their like let's just do this cheap and easy shitty and and get out of here. It 
it's disgusting. It's absolutely um, disgusting. Are they ever going to go back to to finishing the rest, or no, that's it now? They'll never no, finish. They that can't. Thing. They can't now, can they? Because there's been too much media. I mean, let's be honest. We know that if they did finish that film, everyone would rush to see it because because of what it is. But they'll never they'll never no. finish it. I mean, I'd be I'd honestly be amazed if Alec Baldwin works again. Really? I kind of I kind of think. It's hard, isn't it? Because you don't know, like, we don't realise that. Was he the producer as well? He was also a producer. So in a way, you think, you know, actually, well, you know, you feel bad for him because he's the actor and he's just the poor person that fires and gets shot. But then at the same time, actually, he's part of the problem because he's a producer. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, I know on those sort of sets, they have several producers, so he would have been, like, the big one. There were but- three... There were three men that were the um, so so Alec probably a proper way of of labeling him was probably exec producer. So an exec producer is just a money person, right? So okay. everything that I've read, crew testifies that he wasn't really on set until until it was time for him to be there as an actor in the in the film. Right. So he wasn't really on set acting in the capacity of a producer. Mm point is that was on his that is a label that's on his name and and he should have he should have been more aware but but the three producers that were absolutely aware and and would say things to the crew like there was one day they had to shoot in a ravine um this is one of the I think he was the AC and he walked off and he said that the ravine was something like you know really steep and they had to hump all the equipment down by themselves into the ravine they shot and they had to hump it all back up and this was a long day. And then on top of it, production hadn't wasn't willing to buy to rent them a hotel near the set. So they mm-hmm. had to drive 50 miles back to uh, Santa Fe every day. So that's, you know, that's an hour and a half just one way. Yeah. After a long day shoot and then your turnaround is, you know, however early in the morning. So just really kind of shitty cost-saving efforts on that well you think and, and, that, like you said I mean one or two days yeah okay fair enough you're gonna lose out on so much money but now they've completely lost all of it and it's been for nothing hasn't it so they've wasted yeah. all this money for nothing when it could have been you know if it was done for the proper procedures of their safety then uh, none of this would have happened and yeah. fair enough two yeah. days, like one day they can make it up later on you know if if need be because you always hear about how productions go over schedule sometimes you know if they need it and yeah but then, but then at the same time this is another part of the argument is that people shouldn't have people should have learned their lesson from after you know the tragic Brandon Lee accident from the crow because that was the the well-known one wasn't there I mean there have been a few occasions with other actors but we don't really hear about them there was yeah um a tv actor who was also shot as well and killed um but nobody you would have thought that actually and that was 93, was that 93, 94, something like that? Something early 90s, yeah. You would have thought, you know, they would have, you know, after that, that would have, like, well, made... Why was live ammo on set? That makes no fucking sense at all. Mm. Why, there's no reason on God's Green Planet. And, in fact, the um, store that sold the uh, ammunition to the armorer uh, is being sued. For the crow, by, or for rust. No, no, for for rust. Okay. Um, because there's just no, there's just no reason, no, at all, for no. live ammo to ever be on set. 
Oh, so there was live ammo in in in. Yeah, the- yeah. It was a real. It was that was that's why she's dead. It was a real bullet. He shot. He shot her with a real bullet. Oh my god! Whereas the he one was of- told. Sorry, the one with Brandon Cray was was it, that was a blank. Wasn't that it? one, as I remember, that was a blank, but like um, a piece of shrapnel shot through. If okay. I remember right. Well, then it's acceptable at all. But yes, yeah. No, 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 exactly. But no, no, but no, you know, yeah. a shitty accident. Yeah, of um, it's a terrible accident. As I remember, I want to now. Now I have to go read about that one. But as I remember, yeah. it was like it was a it was a piece of shrapnel from the blank, a freak accident, and it and it got him right in the heart like it was yeah. it was pretty quick and easy yeah this was an actual bullet that was shot so you're basically yeah no that you're kind of um signing and <laughs> you're 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 yeah that you're right that's no there's no it's, reason for that it's crazy and they well, so at least and pro, you can understand that they were trying to take measures of using blanks even though it ended up really really tragic but yes but they were doing the things they could to prevent anything happening. So you know what I mean? In yeah, a... yeah. So what was the reason behind using live ammo, live ammunition? Well, that's the that's that the we question. Don't know that yet? No one... I did read early on that they had been that they were like as for fun and games, going and shooting bullets. Um, you know, like after the shoot or whatever. I don't. I've only read that once, and I think that was in the L.A. Times. But. Um, but then this lawsuit, if you read the if you read the lawsuit, it says that and it was and it was brought by the armorer's dad, who's a very famous armorer himself. Mm. And he's suing the um uh the company that provided the ammunition because he says the box was mixed. So blanks when you they have a certain marking on them and you can also shake them and they make mm. a noise, they rattle. Whereas live bullets do not they also don't have that marking so apparently she got a box that was half and half or had some live ammo in it and um, but it's all just really confused at this point as far yeah, but as also I've that's read. not really her fault though was it she was given two jobs she was doing you know, though, and then she was doing the job of something she was not meant to and kind of I feel like I feel like it was her fault because in the end if you don't know how to, if you've not made absolutely sure that that's a blank in that gun, that there are only blanks in that gun, if you've not pulled every bullet out, shaken it, looked for the mark, put it back in, hmm. and then never let it out of your hand until you hand it to the AD, and the AD should have done the same thing. So the two oh, people is that on what set, happened? Yes, the two people on set in a situation like that is the armorer, and they, they're, they're meant to lock everything up, monitor everything. So apparently she writes that, or she says that she... She loaded the gun, put the gun back, went to lunch, and then after lunch was when this happened. She handed the gun to the AD, and the AD handed it to Alec and said it's cold, which means it's okay, you can fire this gun. The AD didn't check to make sure that they were blanks. That's his. That's him not working again ever. And she didn't check after lunch. That's her not working ever again, ever. Oh, okay. So, so if that had happened to someone else, then she would have been kind of made accountable for it. You know? She is accountable, well, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She, it was she herself, but I mean, you know, it's 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 really tragic. It's something that wouldn't have happened at all. I just it? don't understand. I don't understand how so lazy. So lazy. Yeah, yeah, how, exactly. How do you? That's the cut costs. Is it? Yes. Is it that bad. That how did that AD not? 
because on set, like I say, you as the AD are responsible. When you take that gun from the armorer, now you are responsible for that gun. You are responsible for a dangerous weapon on set. Mm. And if you were going to hand this, I mean, I would never, ever, ever hand a weapon to someone on set and not have checked everything myself. Yeah, yeah. Because, A, that's my job as the AD. Yeah. What What the hell? And also, if you think about it, if he, I mean, he is an actor, but if he was employed as just the actor, just the act, I'm saying, if it was in a in a yeah. in a, a parallel universe, then he wouldn't know, would he? He trusts their what they're saying, just like okay, it's ready now. Here you go, off you go. go well, uh, even even as a producer, he's he's uh, you know, I think in that sense, he's Alec is completely um, free of guilt in the sense that yeah, as an actor, your hand did a weapon. You, you understand what protocol is. You've been hopefully you've been briefed prior to the shoot. Yeah. Here's how it works. You will never hand, you'd be handed the gun with live ammo. When I hand you the gun, I'll say it's a cold gun, which means blah, 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 blah. He, and he's done many Westerns before. He understands this. So uh, he's, in that sense, when he picked up the gun and fired it, um, though why you would fire a weapon uh, at point blank at someone is, uh, I think you could have just pointed it and gone, is this good? You know, good? Okay, yeah. cool. But whatever, um, he 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 was perfectly within his rights to think that that gun was was safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do, what lawsuits? So basically, the whole film now has lost all its money. Um, does anyone get any money from that from that job, or were they being paid before, or would it be like a deferred thing where they get so much from the budget coming back, the money that came back? No, they'll get all crew will be paid for all okay. days worked. Okay, so they'd be paid. But so, what lawsuits are going out now? What, so, do you know? What I mean, there would be several things happening in court. So, would it be one? There is. Him? There's the sound op has filed a lawsuit because he was next to the DP and the director. Right. So he's right. filed a lawsuit. Because um, he could have obviously been injured as well. Right. Okay. Um, the. Armorer's dad has filed a lawsuit against right. the ammo supply. And then there's a third lawsuit. And I can't remember if it's the crew that walked out or or someone else. And I think her husband, the DP's husband, um, will file a lawsuit. I, I hope he does. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think either he's going to or he has done already. Okay. It's amazing that her family haven't, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, but I think he most definitely will. I mean, you you have to. You've got a small child, and, and that's half your income lost and your, yeah. and your wife lost. Yeah. It's so sad, isn't it? It's really, it's really... And, and her career was taking off as well, wasn't it? She was kind of at the beginning. Yeah. What was she before when she became a cinematographer? I think she always... Well, I've only... I've she only always was. I think so, yeah. That was kind of like a big job for her, wasn't it? When she went it's, Yeah, yeah. I think she'd done one other feature before with that director. And this was her second feature, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, she yeah. was definitely... And it's and it's a really good... Um, I think it's a really, really good time for female cinematographers. Really? Because, yeah. Well, yeah, because they've never won an Academy Award. Um, and they've never gotten credit. And people to this day still think like, oh, are there women cinematographers? Or mm. I've had students 
I've had students, I'm not kidding you, in the last couple of years, I've had students come through Ravensbourne say to me, oh, I don't think women can be cinematographers. And I'd say, why? And they say, because it's a lot of heavy lifting. Wait, what? <laughs> what are you saying? What do you mean? So it's, you know, but 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 I think people are really pushing for that. And, and I think it's a really excellent time to be a female cinematographer. Yeah. Um, what does a cinematographer do exactly? Are they in charge of, like, like the visual, like say for instance, seeing the film as a photo, is that what they are? Like, does that make sense? Are, are they yeah, sort of absolutely. The visual side of it. They are. They are the visual side of it. They are the lighting side of it, and they are okay. the. Um, so, so say for example, I'm on a project, and I, as the director, have come up with. Um, I have a feature. I'll just go with the feature I've got. I got a feature that I'm pitching around, and it's a. It's kind of a children's title or a children's film um with a dog so I've got this very clear idea of what I want it to look like which is kind of like um a Nanny McPhee set bright colors very full set you know lots of art design a DP when I sit down with them will take all that on board and go great okay we are going to light this way and, I'll, you know, I will come to the DP with images and photos and um, art or whatever I can come up with to kind of show them. I want it to look like this. Mm. And then the DP's mm. job is to make that happen. So lens choices or how they shoot or what camera they shoot with or, um, you know, what the movements are like. Um, all of that is is what the DP brings in terms of choices for the director of of communicating that idea. And what actors should know is the on set, your best friend should be your DP mm. because your DP can light you and make you look beautiful, or can light you and make you look like a piece of shit. <laughs> So you don't they, want to make enemies they, with that person, then, do you? No, you want you want to have the best relationship. It always surprises me when actors come on and they're shitty to their DPs because I'm like, you girl. Does that happen? It. Do you think when the DP? Oh yeah, well, gets oh yeah. I've, I've been on sets and had to pull actors aside and say, "You're being a little bit rude." Like you got to be careful because <laughs> yeah, they are really good DPs. Know their job is to know how to light you. Their job is to find the 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 glow in your skin or or to make your nose smaller or larger or your chin sharper or they know how to do that and if you come on as an actor and you're uppity or you dismiss them because it's not a director or you whatever you do or diva or, yeah yeah absolutely yeah, oh, yeah, they, yeah. Have all, they have all sorts of great ways of getting back to you really getting back yes yes have you seen because examples of that I mean can you can you pick that up on things that you see maybe not no something. no I've not seen I've heard stories. Oh, have of you? DPs. <laughs> yes, I've heard DPs tell great stories of shit sh they've done just to, to really? mess with actors. Yeah, I need to talk to someone who's a DP and see if they've done it, <laughs> or if you know of any. You, you do, and you know what? It might not be as um, vindictive as some some of the stories I've heard, but it will be like. I mean, they can really—they are your gift on set. They, yeah, yeah. they can make you look a thousand a thousand quid or they can make you look like you know two 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 bucks, two bucks. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's yeah. also a very interesting point that you bring up because um there are unfortunately some actors who come across as absolute 
a-holes to be honest Dicks, you know? yeah, and, and, yeah. and they think they're the best singer slightest and the world evolves around them and that without them in their in their minds in their sort of narcissistic mind they think without them this wouldn't be a success do you know what I mean yeah yeah and absolutely these people don't realize and it happens in uh, you know it doesn't necessarily happen with actors there can be another parts of the crew for instance but they really don't understand that it is a team effort, isn't it? The, yes, yes. It, everyone is there to make this thing look good at the end. So if you piss someone off, you're they're going to talk. And yeah. really, it's kind of like the theatre industry, because you've probably worked in theatre, and I, yeah. I worked in theatres <clears throat> many years on and off, on and off, between travelling and front of house. It's a very small community, so this it person is. will know this person, and then this person goes to that place and then they'll, do you know, they'll, they'll be talking, da, 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 da. oh, I know that person. And, and yeah. people talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Girl, it is the smallest community in the world, I think. Our, yeah. our world. It is so, so, so small. And and it does. It, it's crazy to me. I, I did a I did an audio commentary. I won't I won't do any names, okay. but I did an audio commentary. And the director comes in and, and he was late and he comes in and he goes, that fucking bitch <laughs> hated his lead actress so, so, so badly. So we would do, we would, we would he'd get in the booth and we would do like 15 minutes and he'd go, I got, I got to stop it. I got to stop it. And then he would just cuss and tell us stories, myself and the sound engineer, tell us stories off of set, which were just like jaw dropping. Really? And then he'd go, Okay. Right, start it back up. And then you'd be back to the audio commentary. I just so wish that I had the outtakes because they were hilarious. But, you know, but, but we can we can point to many actors who have horrible reputations for being divas um, or whatever the male equivalent is. I mean, look at Val Kilmer was notoriously hard and horrible to work with. And really? where is he now? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he, that he was one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, well... I'm reading a book, um, oh crap, I'm going to forget the name of it. It's about the making of Chinatown, the movie. Oh, okay. And and actually, I highly recommend the book. It's really, really mm. uh, a good read, really fun. But they talk about Faye Dunaway in this. Now, she has a huge reputation of being a complete diva. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really difficult to work with, which which makes Mommy Dearest so much, so much funner to watch. Oh, really? But, um but her behavior in this too is also um, atrocious, and 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 you think, right? How many movies has Faye done? Not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. And you know, and it's what's because... funny is that when you say that, it kind of you think about that famous. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it's gone so quick. Um, the, the famous Oscar blunder when it was her and Warren. Oh, oh, and and Warren doing um. But he yeah, was actually. Then... I think he was actually. You know, she afterwards, when it all came out, that actually, no, this is what happened. She didn't want anything to do with it, did she? She just walked right away. She refused to answer anyone. Whereas he was actually him and Jimmy Kimmel, who was the host, etc. They were trying to say, actually, well, I did this because I didn't realise it. And he, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. he was actually quite gracious, wasn't he? Like, when as soon as it happened, he goes, I'm sorry. You know, he explained himself. He said, I was confused and I gave it to her. And, and But she didn't answer anyone. She just like, I want nothing yeah. to do with that. She was, and that kind of says like what you're saying. It, it brings up like, actually, she doesn't. That's not a very nice way to approach it. And you don't come across as a very good person. 
Yeah, yeah, by, exactly. By, by kind of going, I refuse to answer your question. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It doesn't well, show in a good light. And if you add to it the fact that, like, an actor's life, in particular a female actor's mm. life on screen, it's longer now, but you're still struggling at a certain point to get any kind of decent roles. Mm. And your your moment, you know, let, let's go Scarlett Johansson, her moment in the sunlight will end. And yeah. there'll be someone yeah. right behind her who will take her spot and Scarlett will be forgotten. And so you can either work as long as you can and be part of the crew and, you know, come in and be a professional or you can be shitty and work much less than you'll want to. And then, especially as a female actress, have a lot less opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's not worth it, people. No, no. So do you think eventually they do kind of get their karma back to them eventually? I think I some do, it. don't they? Yeah. I think some do. Definitely, um, I mean, Sharon Stone is notorious. She doesn't oh, she? get a lot of work. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get a lot of work. Faye certainly didn't get a lot of work. Val's dead and gone. I think um, Russell Crowe was... Soon. Well, yeah. Now, Alec didn't have a reputation as being... Personality, yeah. No, I think, I think he was really well-liked. I mean, he was certainly very funny. Yeah. Do you ever watch... Um, I love, I love, love, love um, um, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians Getting Coffee. Comedians oh, I've, I've coffee. heard about it. Yeah. Also, is he one of the guests? He's he was on twice and he's hilarious. Oh, I mean, he really is a very talented, very can yeah. be very funny, can be amazingly dramatic. But so I, no, and I don't think so he's much a diva. to do with his, any of his diva reputation. That's just to do with no, I don't. Yeah, happened, I've never. Heard, I'm I'm not to say that he's not, but I've never heard any bad uh, yeah. diva stories about him. But Russell Crowe, where did he go? It's because he's a dick. Yeah. Oh, but there have been countless stories about his anger, though, haven't there? And his. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, you're right. I haven't seen much of him around lately. Nope. Nope. It's just it's just crazy to me that that I mean, acting is, as you know, such a it's the hardest. It, it makes directing look easy. Right. In terms yeah. of like getting opportunities for roles and and being able to paint your own career. It's really ridiculously hard, brutal business to to come up in it and then be a dick and ruin it for yourself. It's just, it, it's sad. Yeah, it's just, yeah. You don't realize that actually, like you said, it's a small community and people talk and then, you know, there, there's a saying in the theater, it's something like, be nice to the people on the way up because you'll be seeing them on the way back down. Again. On the way back down, absolutely. That's it's it, absolutely. Because they're going to go totally from true. where they get work and then they'll be unemployed and then they'll, you know, like yes. that. And that's like yes. anyone, I think. So, you know, it just it's just general, you know, niceness. and Absolutely. You know, um, I'll ask you one more thing and then we'll wrap up. So, because we were talking about, because I am also interested in that side, like the marketing, the studios and et cetera. It would be interesting to get someone involved in that. But when we're talking about Judy Garland and the old days earlier, where we said the studios were the ones that had the most control over the actors. Right. Not so much now. I can, I think everything's a bit more kind of uh, yes. liberal. I mean, everything. Uh, but they would have at that time, especially when you watch this film and you see documentaries, 
they were really hard on their stars, weren't they? Mm. They, 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 they? They put them on vigorous diets and they didn't realise that with her, they were giving her like drugs to slim down and, and she couldn't sleep so she could sleep and and then to wake her up. And it, it, she's just yes. pumped for it. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and obviously you would because you're a young girl and you go in and this is like a sort of um, a, a, like a father figure, even though she's got parents and her parents weren't that nice to, to her. No, her mum was shitty. Yeah. Her mum was giving her drugs as well, wasn't she? Yeah. And, 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 and you know, that's a, that's a hard thing for a young girl. To, she's basically supporting the entire family, isn't she? Yes, exactly. So, so a young girl doesn't get to have her, her childhood being thrusted in the limelight saying you can't eat this you can't eat that um and it sort of shows in the beginning of that film the like one of the top bosses like you know oh someone else can easily walk along a much more prettier girl than you can come along and do that so was that quite common do you think yeah that that era where they've really been that hard on their their style oh absolutely 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 there's um for anyone who's interested, really take a moment and do some reading on Betty um, Davis, who is, if you've not seen any of her stuff, a mm. phenomenal actress. She, yeah. Really, really good. And but she's not she, typically beautiful, is she? She wasn't. No. Very, but she's, she no. was an amazing actress, but she was quite sort of like, what you can imagine people thinking kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Is that, is that yeah, what you thought of her? Well, in part, yes, but but she actually she was under contract and famously sued the studios for freedom because they, um, I think, in part, as she describes it, you know, the, she wasn't a drop dead gorgeous uh, woman, so it was, but she absolutely commanded attention and was absolutely. And she's very striking on camera, so she's absolutely she's conventionally beautiful. You can get people who 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 are very interesting looking. Yes, which which makes them unique and beautiful in yes. their own way. A bit like Alan Reichman's voice. To, to yes, yes, that. yes, yes, exactly. But, but she actually famously sued, uh, I believe it was Warner, Warner Brothers, to get out of her contract, and actually had to come over here and was doing work in London um, while she was um, kind of blacklisted or being sued because what would happen is if you refused they would give you a, a script and say you're going to do this and if you refuse you would be suspended and you would have to pay for that suspension time and and you could be and that was all part of your contract so you you could be um without any scripts coming your way for months and months and months and you would just have to wait it out so she came to london to work and she actually won that case which started to change things but I mean, it would, it happened to all of them, um, male and female alike. They were all chattel and they were all meant to. There was, uh, you know, lots of, of men and women being, you know, saved from their gay relationships. Um, you know, you were told to marry. Yes, I remember. Him. Yes. Rock Hudson so, was a famous one for doing that, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And it yeah. was kind of well known. I mean, even though. Oh, yes. I mean, you know. It was speculated, but but it was kind of like at the time it was so like it was such a a big kind of like like you know oh no homosexuality is awful da 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 and it and it is like getting married to kind of keep up the appearances of, of yes that's right what the student right. wanted him to come across as and you were you know there were there were couples that weren't allowed to marry because the studio thought it would be bad for the male or the female you know if oh really. If, 
oh yeah 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 if you know they were in love but like let's say it wasn't necessarily her but uh, just Rita Hayworth pops to mind right so Rita wants to get married and the studio says no because if you're married you won't be male fantasy anymore so no or um, of course yeah so it was it was complete control if you wanted to work you did what you were told to do I didn't realize I had that much control that's actually really frightening isn't it (laughs) well yeah and, and all the way down to choosing your name you know, that that, yeah. that was absolutely pretty, if you think about it, that's pretty crazy. You walk on, on, on studio and you're finally on lot and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. They go, right, your name is not Sonia Chang anymore. It's going to be Millie yeah. Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've just removed my, identity. my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my identity. About telling me. Um, yeah. That's that's really scary. Judy was was Gum, wasn't she? Wasn't she Judy Gum? I believe that was her uh, real name. Yeah, because a lot of them, I mean, Marion Monroe wasn't her real name. Her real name was, was it Norma Jean? Norma Jean. And then, uh, I'm going to look up Judy Garland's real name. Hang on. Judy Garland's real name was Frances Ethel Gum. Yes. I was right about the gun. My very favorite is John Wayne. Oh, let me look at him up. Hang on. John. This is quite interesting, actually. So so the actors wouldn't have been able to choose chosen their own name then. It was a studio. No, no. His name. Oh, Marion Robert Morrison. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? Marion. John <laughs> Wayne was Marion. Yeah, you can see how uh, that wouldn't go down well with a, a famous uh, sort of gruff man in the Western film. Like no, barring, uh, yeah, Marion. Yeah, <laughs> look at and and Cary Grant is a perfect one too because because Cary Grant it's such an English name. His original name was such an English name. Was it really? Are you looking? Should yeah, look are you looking him up. Yeah, Cary. Can play a whole game on this, couldn't we? You oh totally my could, god, yeah. he's got so English, right? Archibald Alexander Leach. Archibald Alexander Leach. Yes, that's another that's another name you couldn't have really. That was his real name. I, in, I, yeah, and I can't see him as an Archibald. Can you? Archie. No, <laughs> no, but oh, this is really. I, I guess I'll, I I'll be doing this all afternoon now. I'll be looking up people's <laughs> real good, names. Good. Anytime <laughs> I can, I can steer people to old Hollywood. I love, love, love old Hollywood. Uh, it was I'm the best. It is. It's so hang on, let me quickly look up Clark Gable. Oh, he was called Clark Gable, I think. Clark no. Gable. I think William Clark Gable. So his yeah. name is William. Yeah. So so literally, the studio could have just come across and said, "No, this isn't going to work for us. You're going to be this person." And, and yes, you'll be Marilyn Monroe. Go, get out of here. Wow, that's really. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if behind the scenes, like in her past, because we don't know much, unfortunately. And and actually, she is a really tragic character as well. Was a really tragic yeah. person, wasn't she? Um, yeah. She suffered from, and she was really clever. That's the thing a lot of people don't realize. Um, I think she formed her own film company or production. She did, yeah. Didn't she and nobody knows about this. And then Hollywood, because they made her into Starlet, because you know. Then she was kind of typecasted and put as mm-hmm. a kind of dumb blonde figure. Yeah. She was super clever, wasn't she? She was. And and in fact, she started her own company. And again, in another case, a bit like Betty Davis, where she was trying to get out of her contract. 
Okay. So um, Fox saw her as only the blonde bimbo bombshell, and she didn't want that, so she started her own production company to to get around that. Did and, she, and, sorry. No, no, she did. Uh, again, I just was reading this in uh, Women vs. Hollywood. A, a really brilliant read. Really, really, yeah. really good. But um, I think they did one or two films, but not much after that. Oh, okay, I was going to ask you that. Would would she have done any films through that? Then did she manage to make anything? I think she managed to make one or two, and that was and that was it. Yeah, I wonder if that's still going. Do you reckon anyone her, have taken it over? No, her company folded. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, she's it, it. She she was. Um, I mean, she's fascinating when you read about her, and she really is. Watch her, and she you really, don't realize really actually she was super clever. And so unbelievably, like, um, troubled, wasn't she? Yeah, she had, yeah. Like, a really hard upbringing, and she was in foster homes and things like that. So actually, it's, in a way, you can kind of think of it like like the studios grooming them, in a way. Oh, absolutely. Well, they're sure. kind of like, they, you know, like, because they haven't got a family or they come from a very broken family situation, you can kind of see as you as a young person, um, this is like, you know, they come up as like, you know, like, like, look, this is, you can have this. And like, you know, you, you think of this person as kind of like a father figure, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I think, but there was whole, whole troops of people who, who, who didn't become starlets, who were shuffled through the system. And, and by the system, I mean, there was elocution lessons, there was posture, there were dance lessons. Oh, really? There was, it, it was a whole training course that, that if the studio thought you had something, you would be forced to do all of these things. And you can imagine how, A, exciting that would be because you're on lot doing this stuff. Yeah. And and B, like you're learning all of these, oh, okay, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is great. Like, yeah, I mean, it was a whole, it was a whole system of training and um, uh, investment, if you will, on the, on the part of the studio. But then that's really awful because you would never be able to be yourself when, I can imagine that must be very conflicting but, do you think well <laughs> you're being told to act this way like so even when they're not working they are working aren't they yeah 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 I mean so even if they're not acting that they're, they're not on doing the film but then when they're in the public eye they have to be doing this they have to be made to look this way so they are acting it's still absolutely like, yeah so so you can see the kind of um like on a scale type thing like well no they don't know me for who I really am and who I really want to be they want they know me for for how I'm projected and and it still goes yeah. on you know what I mean and you can see how a lot of their problems from relationships stem because they don't know who who to trust you know and yeah yeah are. yeah because um you know there's so many phony people especially in that industry I'd imagine because they're all sucking yes. up to you I'd imagine so so yeah it, it's it's quite toxic is what I'm trying to say I imagine especially in that era yeah I think so I think that so. would have been no it'd be interesting to sort of um what do you call it explore I'll talk to you more we'll do another episode on that to explore okay. the old the old Hollywood because um yeah that would be really interesting to see how far because I think it has sort of come on obviously throughout the years but then I'm sure changed entirely yeah and I think sometimes do you reckon the studios still have a bit of a say 
behind things do you know like the, course, like, the stars on absolutely to and... absolutely to to um to an extent definitely not as not as significant if it, as it was but yeah i mean yeah i think they do i was trying to think if if something like the army hammer case is relevant in terms of like studio control so army hammer huge star mm. delicious is accused of what cannibalism and um and then several women come forward and claim that he was sexually abusive wow and and his career is done so I don't know is that studios just not wanting to pick him up or is that I don't know yeah is that is that is that on the same scale or is that a different thing but I think studios still really do have a big say yeah I mean if you're Disney arguably one of the most powerful studios on the planet now yeah, yeah, yeah. and and they say you will not do that role or we won't hire you I'm sure that still happens yeah um it's funny because you talked about Disney that was another assignment we had to do in college for one term was study the Disney corporation oh and that was really actually that was really interesting because I think that was in our second year of doing BTEC media studies in the autumn term so you know for instance it's a whole package so you know the lead up to a, a film that comes out the way they market it and stuff um and it's actually very interesting but then you don't realize the disney corporate uh, studio for instance company they have their hands in every pocket everything like, like everything and uh, we were and our lecturer was saying you know um is it buena vista uh-huh. That that's part of them, wasn't it? And then um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's named after the street his first studio was on, Buena Vista. Yeah, yeah. But then there's all these these ones like um, oh, I don't know. So so what was the fil- what was the studio or that sort of was behind Pulp Fiction? That was Miramax. Was it? Mm-hmm. I know that had something to do with one of the Disney channels or something. Because I'm going to quickly look it up. Disney, uh, Disney channels. Um, oh, is it Touchstone? No, I'm sure they 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 have their own sort of other channels. There's so many. There's they, like um, they have small studios, so they so you can call them like a boutique studio. They what they do is Touchstone was actually created for. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Splash with Tom Hanks. And yeah, Tom I like Hanks. that film. <laughs> That was a Disney film, but when it really? was about, yeah, when it was about to be released, I think oh, Hannah and John Candy. Yeah, it was too racy. I think it was a PG thirteen or something rating, and Disney didn't want any of that to be associated with them, so they created Touchstone okay. so that they could hide films of a more adult content under yes. that umbrella, okay. so you wouldn't associate it with Disney. So Touchstone is the same company, but that was kind Touchstone of Touchstone is a part of Disney, yeah. So, but and Buena Vista well. is the animation arm, and Pixar is part of them, and okay. Now Miramax is part of them as well, and so oh, so they take over Miramax. They bought Miramax before Weinstein's um, fall from grace. Yes, One, uh, Bob and Harvey sold uh, Miramax to Disney, right? And then were disgruntled and left, and they they started the Weinstein Company. Ah, 
it's a lot of politics that go on behind the scenes, isn't oh, it? Oh, girl, girl, really? Tons. Tons. <laughs> it's all juicy, <laughs> juicy. But but then, um, like you said, it is quite interesting because Disney, even though they're well known for being these like, oh, these lovely fairy tale cartoons and stuff, and then you realise they're making films for like 18s and X-rated films and stuff. So it's kind of like well, not X-rated. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. But you know what I mean. They do, they do, they have their own thing for adults because yes, they don't yes. want to be necessarily associated with Disney, Disney. But it is Disney, if you know what I mean. If you, yeah, absolutely. And, and and let's be honest though, if 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 Splash were coming out now, they'd just throw it under the Disney band. Like if things have changed since what was that eighty six or whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's not racy when you watch it. That no. Now. Not at all, but but it was outside of their brand. Oh, and, was it really? That's why. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, because they were, especially back then, before they were the mega craziness they are now. They were, you know, it was Bambi. It was, yeah, uh, you know, whatever Sleeping Beauty, and and they didn't want. And they're they're the one thing Disney has always done really well is brand, mm. like incredibly well. Yeah. So they knew it was very smart. They knew that they couldn't put that out under their name. Like, yeah. Really, very smart. Yeah. No, and they're very actually, good at marketing, aren't they? I remember. Oh, genius. I remember um, before we finished. Um, so, like, as part of the thing, we realized that. Um, so, if when the main sort of animation feature came out, like Aladdin or. You know, like The Lion King. I mean, these were the big films at the time. It's yeah. a shame because they don't do that now, do they? But that's another thing. But it used to be a big thing, like it was Beauty and the Beast. That was a big thing. It would be half-term and all the kids and the parents and the families would go watch that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. It's not such a big thing now, is it? Because everyone can well, just... Um, what was the what's the latest one? Is the Lin-Manuel, um, uh, um, the Colombian one... Um, Oh, it was just out and and they did a big, I know they did a big release because they own a couple of theaters in Hollywood. They did a big release at El Capitan um, and it was a big deal. I guarantee you it would have been a big deal all around town. Yeah. So so those films, you know the film I'm talking about, right? Is it Luca? No. It was, it was, so it's about this family who has special powers and everyone in the family has powers except for this girl, one girl. And in the end, of course, she has to save everyone um because the magic yeah yeah it's but it was a big I'm sure there would you know I'm sure it was the same thing like you're talking about yeah it's probably like this generation's version of the stuff you grew up on I think that's probably yeah exactly yeah I think it sort of had a cut-off point you know obviously when I got to that that those will those will always be like the big one will always put out yet a big and you know and it'll be they keep Pixar separate even though Pixar is part of them like Pixar's new movies or Pixar's new movies but their their animated titles their animated features usually get huge fanfare okay still yeah. I agree I think I think it's probably feels less to us because we're so because movies go now don't they remember when we were yeah. kids movies were on for months but this is you what I was talking and... about I've I, I spoke about with Jason and Tom there was a period of time especially in the 80s and 90s and all that for like the same film, films were on for ages in a cinema, maybe up yeah. to a year. And then eventually um, it would come up. But you'd have to wait a long time. 
And now, the problem, and now the problem is, um, and I said this to someone, is that it's kind of greedy because it's like now, now we're waiting for it now. Come on, yeah. And it's like literally yeah. two weeks in the cinema, then it's on Netflix. Do you know, it's what gone. I mean? yeah, yeah. So, so I wanted to go see Dune in the theater, but like, my God, you had to, you had to run. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. I think he said that as well. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I totally taken yeah. the thing away. But what I was saying is with Disney marketing, is that um. Like, for instance, I remember a period of time when McDonald's, they still might do it. So when the film came Oh, they're having meal toys. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So they'd have the Happy Meal. And as part of that sort of, it was only for a short time, they'd have like a, a toy figure or toy figures from that. Yes, film. yes. Do you remember? I totally do, girl. They yeah, that was like. That. I, they must do, right? Because like, the Happy yeah. Meal toys. I haven't had a Happy Meal, obviously, in a hundred years. No, so, I know, um, but that's that—that that was a clever form of marketing because also McDonald's so smart, huge. And those are girl; those are valuable too. Those sell oh, really damn well. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get like a um, a classic toy Happy Meal, like that shit makes some money on eBay. Oh, so we have to start sure. collecting them. <laughs> yeah, go back they to make McDonald's. Really good money. Yes, yes, they make really. You know, like um, in the states, if we call them flea markets or swap meets, yeah. and you 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 arrive, crack a dawn, you put all your shit out on the on the um rug or whatever on the blanket, and before the markets open, there's always these guys that go around, right? And they're looking for it's it's always one of of a few things, right? It's electronics, it's tools, it's um any kind of dolls. It's uh, costume jewelry and it's like Happy Meal, like toys, like Happy oh, Meal really? toys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those make, if they're in good shape, that brings in some money. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. so this is a good way to make money. Oh, right, I'm going to have to start going to McDonald's. <laughs> I haven't had gotta, McDonald's in years. In years. Keep them in the plastic. Don't open and play with them, though. That's the key. You can't open and play with oh, them. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a bit like comic books, isn't it? Like untouched yes. comic books. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like a, a, yes. Gently, <laughs> gently opening the comic book. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? What people find, what do they call it? One man's rubbish is another man's treasure. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but yeah, that's another way of clever marketing, you know. And obviously McDonald's is another big corporation. Disney's another big corporation. Imagine yeah. the amount of people that go there. So, and then, like we said earlier, the music industry—that's also another version of it, isn't it? Like, I think with like Titanic, we're talking about Brian Adams and and Robin Hood. That that's mostly associated with Celine Dion's song, isn't it? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, when you watch that film now, it was a big deal at the time. It was like you know, it was huge, and it was huge film. That stayed in the theaters for like a hundred years. Yeah, and wasn't it two two studios that had to make that film because it was so expensive? It, so expensive. It, That's probably right. I know Fox. Is there were one, two studios I, that kind of combined to to help with the the budget. I mean, it was a ridiculous amount of money for it. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you watch and they it built now, a whole... and actually, it really isn't that. It's quite awful. The script, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I, but there's a reason for that. And that's because I don't, I didn't, I didn't like it then. And I'm, I'm positive. I'm not going to like it now. Do you reckon? Yeah. My favorite point, my favorite, favorite part of the whole movie was, um, so the boat is already upended. Yes. And 
people are falling off into the water from the from the top of the boat. That's and quite we, hot. that's quite brutal. I remember that. It was. And one, if you remember, one guy falls and he hits the seat, like one of the steamers, one of the steam. Oh, the propeller. Steam. Yeah, no, that, that. No, that, no, 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 not the propeller. Oh. It was like the, the, the smokestack, I guess, oh, yes, or whatever yes. those are. Ooh. And he hits it and then he bounces off. And that to me was hilarious. That was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're quite sadistic, huh? <laughs> yeah, shit like that makes me laugh so, so, so hard. There's this. Just, just last note. There's this director. Um, he's a New York director. Um, part of like a, a part of the indie scene. Uh, his name is Hal Hartley, and his stuff is really, really brilliant, really good. But, but one of the things I really love about his work is always the background, um, background action. So background action is um, any extras. Say you're in a cafe and there are people behind you having a drink or whatever. That's called background action. Or you're standing on the street having a conversation and someone walks past, that's background action. So always in a Hal Hartley movie, his background action is absurd. Like the, oh, you main... mean like the film extras and the extras are Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got you've got the main couple say they're talking and they're having a very serious conversation and someone will be walking <laughs> behind them and fall. Yeah. And like trip and fall. And it is just it just kills me every time. I find that hilarious. You do see that in some TV shows. It's very subtle though, isn't it? Because you've yeah, got the yeah. main action in front and then you've got something really hilarious and silly and kind of random going on in the background. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Random is the key. And it's quite funny that your eyes go from this to what you should be watching going yeah. on from that. <laughs> in the distance. All right, I'm gonna ask you one more question and then we'll finish. Um, so we, we touched upon it earlier. Um, why is it, do you know why, this is a really random question, that there are so many few female filmmakers compared to male filmmakers? Is there a reason, do you think? Because we're just as capable of being filmmakers. But in, in fact, I'd argue more so because part of being a director is multitask is really, really important that you're able to multitask and think on your feet and modify your vision because, oh shit, we didn't get the light or we can't shoot in that location or whatever. You've got to be able to think on your feet. And and I think that maybe stereotypically or, or how we're raised or whatever the case is, we're certainly better at that in general than men are. So why aren't there more of us directing films? Mm-hmm. I think... Definitely, there was a shit ton of us at the very start of film. There was a shit ton of us, and and women making real inroads and doing real innovative things at the very start of it. And when it became more profitable, um, we were ushered away. It wasn't, um, you know, I think uh, behaviors that men thought appropriate for women. I mm, think at the time, yes. Know, the the bossy, the commanding, the leading. Um and I think I don't I think it's perception because if you even look at the numbers of women who have done if you look at the number of people in general who have done one feature film and 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 that's a that's a huge hill to get over to do your first feature film. Yes. And yes. then the number of people who are given the opportunity to do or or cultivate the opportunity to do their second is I mean it drops right so say 10 people got to do their first feature something like three of them will get to do a second feature Mm. and of that you know 
0.8 will be a woman. It is so much harder for us to get a film out. It's so much harder for us to get a second film. And if we flop, we're we're dead in the water. If we take time off to care for a loved one or have a kid, we have to come back. There are countless stories of women who have had to, who've given birth or had to care for a sick parent who were top line, let's say television directors who had mm. to come back and act as, and, and do shadowing because, because money people were like, mm, I don't know. You haven't done this in a while. Yeah. Well, so, so what? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's perception. I think it's, um, I think it's this idea that we're gentler, that we're, um, that we can't handle it, that we're not, um, all of those stereotypes of women, you know, I, I think. But it kind of started off as being, like you said, a very male orient, a male, uh, when, in the old days, I'm saying it started off in that way, didn't it? But it was very much male orientated. But I think now, like you said, well, saying, in the very beginning, in the very, very beginning, being more and more women into the film well knock on wood let's hope in the very very beginning there was there was plenty of women directors and and yeah and several successful women-run studio not really studios but studios small small production companies but I just think it's so hard for the world to perceive us in this role I mean even when I go out for corporate work I often, to be fair, play like I have a business partner who's a male who's just not at this meeting because it seems to make clients feel a little more comfortable. Mm. I think we're still not at a, at a space yet where we can feel like women are reliable, responsible, we'll get the job done. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is complete nonsense. Of course, it's but I, it's a BS, yeah. But I think that yeah. that's... I, think that that's still a truism yeah I mean if you, but, you know for instance if, sorry no no no, go 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 no no I was gonna say because I mean there have been cases where I think like you said women at one point were especially if you see in you know the films in the 80s and you know they're, they're very kind of like like oh they're the love interest they're not the the big big one and then you know later on came like uh Sigourney Weaver's Ripley so she was kind of the she she was the big protagonist, and actually that was meant to be for a man, wasn't it? Originally, That's right. so so that proves also, and she talks about that um, as well. How you know, thank God, you know, the times are changing, and now you know women aren't being seen as that on on screen as being just the you know the love interest one that's always crying and the yeah, genuine yeah, yeah. one. Um, and uh, but so that's kind of one side to it. But then I was thinking, well, actually, you look at someone like Catherine Bigelow is well known for doing kind of very like tough films, butchy films, but, yeah. Yeah, and and um, the first film I saw of hers was uh, I think it was Blue Steel. Actually, no, I didn't realize till much later, only very recently, because I looked back on it that that was her. Because that's that's a real kind of like a manly manly type film. Yeah. Then you have then you have Point Break. That's very much a a, a bloke film. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you, and you wouldn't think that actually you know. And the Hurt Locker. I never saw the Hurt Locker, but I know that's a very different military man led. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd think that would be a, a male director as well. That's all her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So so yeah. that just goes to show that why not. Why? <laughs> it no, exactly. 
it's exactly well of doing the do you know thing. do you know who gina davis is yes you know yeah yeah she's got an amazing Thelma Louise. Um, yes 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 she's got she because part of i think you're pointing to the reason I, I think of her is because i think you're making a very good point which is we don't see women in these roles on screen we don't mm. see women in these and so um i mean that's that's why you know black films are so important that's why queer oriented films are so important is to to quote unquote normalize it to bring that and and so what her she's got a whole media foundation and their whole job is to put women in uh roles that are traditionally thought of as male even if it's a background character even if it's someone with just one line so they're pushing to have you know, women doctors, women dentists, women scientists, whatever, in just as like normal people in the movie. And the idea there is uh, proven statistically is that when we start to see women in the, when we start to see people of color in these roles, when we start to see disabled people in these roles, we start to understand that, oh, oh, they can do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we have to change that perception before it becomes easier for the rest of us to tell our stories as easy as it is for a white male to tell his story. Mm, for sure. All right, then. Um, is there anything you want to say? I think we've pretty much... No, I think we've covered the gamut. I think we have. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've, it's been really fascinating talking to you. We're going to talk more, for sure. Good, but, good. Yeah, it was and, good uh, fun. And you, you're like me. We could just ramble on for ages. So for ages, yes. So, uh, but it's been no, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Um, it's been a and pleasure. Also, and you said that you're a, le- a film lecturer. And at one point, when we were off camera, you said maybe we can get some of your students on. So, if you wanted to do yeah. that, you could do that as well. That'd be interesting. <laughs> You'd have to I'll make, make sure they, they all behave only themselves. Good things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, mute everyone's camera and listen, and I'll say, right? You yeah, you're like, okay. <laughs> What are you going to say? Okay, now we'll let you on. Okay, cool. <laughs> you could be one of my admin people with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up soon. So maybe if you want, you could help me with that when they can all come on and help. <laughs> oh, fab. Okay. <laughs> so we can do a Valentine's special or, or another we can, we can thing. Discuss, yeah, discuss our favourite romantic movies. Yeah, yeah. Valentine's films. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right then is there anything you want to say laurel before we say goodbye no it's just a real pleasure thank you, you so too. much for the opportunity and um please feel free to come back anytime because it's been really oh, thank you talking. no i really enjoyed having you on and and that's part of the reason why i do this as well because um i really really enjoy talking to other creative people and you learn so much also like you know the film industries everyone just thinks uh oh actor director producer but there's so much that goes on behind tons it. tons so so if you know anyone else that's in the industry like i always say i want to talk to people who work in costumes or in makeup uh okay. extras or even you know that's a whole different side i used to do that i'm sure you did as well um and the marketing side that's also a thing i think that not many people really think about that actually that has that's a big part of the process of ginormous it. absolutely ginormous once it's edited and stuff there's more to to just beyond like, even while it's being shot you, yeah you start yeah. marketing as soon as the picture gets greenlit like, oh really oh yeah absolutely. that fast yeah yeah so that, that would be interesting I don't know who I could approach that maybe I should contact some companies I tried 
contacting Sam, but nobody got back to me. It's like I need people to talk to. So if you know anyone <laughs> in marketing or in any part of the uh, film sector, absolutely. Like I spoke to a film colorist and I've spoken to filmmakers and a producer and uh, a DP. And so, no, it's really interesting hearing. It's kind of like, um, you know, when you hear when kids and they bring their parents in and their parents talk about their jobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like yeah. that. <laughs> cool, cool. I'm, yeah, you know what? You should talk to, um, I'm going to hook you up with Eric. He just okay. did, um, he recorded some of the sounds for June. So. Um, okay. Oh, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll hook you up. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, quickly, t- uh, just quickly, because you said about sound, and we were talking about earlier about DPs and how they can, um, if they don't get on with the actors and the actors are really horrible to hear them. I quickly spoke about this. We spoke about this with Jason about how there's many horror stories of how the sound is still left on while actors oh, yes. are slagging. My favorite. <laughs> I love that. And I love hearing these stories. They're funny. And he said that goes on quite a lot. You hear horror stories behind wedding, you know, films because people don't realize their mic's on and they're 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 basically slagging the the mother-in-law or that or the the groom is talking to the to the best man about how they slept with the stripper the night before and they don't realize oh yeah that must happen a lot as well I'm sure that's oh happened. it does yeah 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 oh yeah for sure <laughs> but I'll tell you you only have to go to the bathroom once with your mic on before you don't do that ever again oh really <laughs> yeah that was how I learned my lesson Went oh so it has happened to you <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's easily done anyway. it is <laughs> alright well it's been an absolute pleasure Laurel and, pleasure um, thank you uh, feel free to come back anytime or hook me up with anyone else who's interested in talking to me that'd be great I will do I will do thank you you're welcome take care bye sweetheart bye bye <laughs>